I'm the target of a meat missile going 150 miles an hour plus. That got really <laughs> exciting all of a sudden. I'm doing canopy safety. Um, I drive like an Asian, so I don't know if it's the most appropriate thing ever. I'm killing it. Utah, give me two. You're listening to Gravity Lab Radio, hosted by DJ Marvin and Nicholas Lott. Produced by Justin Grubbs. Have we talked about skydiving the whole time? Gentleman. Gentleman. Mr. Nick Lott, how are you doing, buddy? I am doing quite well. Let's see if I remember. That's you. That's me. I'm on the TV. What's up? You're on television. Man, I'm uh, I'm doing pretty great. Just uh, just the two of us, like good old times. Just the two of us. I can't see Just like episode episode one. Yeah, I man. honestly don't know if I'm doing any of this right, it, dude. It's working. Whatever it is, we're recording. People are listening to us. Oh, I didn't start recording over here. I'm gonna do that's this. recording. Or no, not that. no. Sorry, oh, up there. There's another mouse. <laughs> I'm catching. There we go. Just in case we ever need that for anything. Oh yeah, man, that would be nice. <sighs> party, party, party in the USA. Friday night podcast. Man, I was telling Val, it seemed weird. Like I can't process it's a Friday night because we're about to start a show and there's no special guest. Yeah, no guest. That you were at the drop zone today also, right? Yeah. Definitely did not feel like a Friday at the drop zone oh, with, with the weather that we've had. Horrible day. So, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't really feel like Friday. It's 6.30. We're starting the show at an odd time. So Yeah, everything in the universe is just off. So one thing I, I want to throw out there to guys and gals who are tuning in listening, I'll remind you guys a couple times. Uh, we do want to take questions, comments, anything you guys want to bring up we'll probably address tonight. In the ad for the show, I said keep it PG-13, but really, does that match our style? No. I'm going to so, try. Yeah. I'm going to try real hard. Now, one of the big reasons is, A, I, I don't want to ignore the listeners, the people who actually listen and hang out with us. I super appreciate you guys, and tonight's a good chance for us to talk to you guys. Uh, but B, man, October 6th, Nick, do you know what we're doing October 6th? <sighs> October 6th? God, yeah, I'd have man. to pull up my calendar. If it's a Sunday night. We don't Sun- do Sunday night podcasts often. Sunday, October 6th. Yeah. Oh, uh, Norman Kent's coming no- back on. Norman Kent, dude. Yeah. And uh, Norm really wants to uh, uh, address questions from the audience. He really wants to get some fan participation in. Um, it's super cool. Uh, one thing that's blown my mind, we talked about on our, our 100th episode, the hardest thing to do is get guests. And yep. to this day, it still is the hardest thing. But the further we get along, dude, Nick Batch was a, what a phenomenal show. I yeah, enjoyed un- it. unexpected. Pretty unplanned, last minute, went yeah. great. But when I approached him to ask him to be on the show, I didn't even get the words like, hey, dude, we have a podcast. He very quickly goes, I've heard about your guy's show. I would love to do it. Oh, that's cool. He saw the question coming. So it's cool that it's gotten that much recognition. And It's it, a strong it, word. Yeah, it is. It really <laughs> is. And Norm, this time, and Norman Kent hit me up uh, a couple weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago. I was like, yo, bro, I'm going to be in town on these dates. I really want to come be on the show again. I want to come hang out with you guys. Uh, he mentioned he had a lot of fun and, and was just looking forward to coming back. Well, that's cool. If you're anyone who's anyone listening to this podcast and you have plans to come to Houston, let us know. Yeah, yeah. For sure, man. We're super happy to, to have people on. Uh, I bring up the Norman Kent part because he wants that audience participation. He wants people to ask questions. He's looking really for the non-technical part of our conversation. He he enjoyed our show. He's done a lot of things like this, man. Mm-hmm. But I mean, such a such a well-spoken guy. Someone who really knows how to tell a story. Oh, he did, was so. Did you funny. hear him tell the story when he was uh, he was out at Spaceland? He told the story about uh, working with the Peregrine Falcon. No. Oh man, it's a good one. I won't. I won't try and uh, repeat his story at all because I will ruin it. But that might be a fun one to have him talk yeah, about. Remember that. We'll have to bring that back up. Maybe write it on that notepad so we can start collecting thoughts. Here we go. Um, 
but he one of the things he's he's looking for that night is non-technical. He doesn't really want to get into like, hey, what kind of cameras? You know, all the traditional questions he gets asked. He wants the fun conversations. He wants the good times. And I, that's one of the things he mentioned to me was our show is a lot more casual. It's a lot more fun. It's a lot more laid back. And he really enjoyed doing our show, which, man, to have somebody of his caliber of human being, let alone skydiver, compliment us, I was like, holy shit, dude. We're doing something right. I'm sure it feels pretty free to be on the show, right? Like, I feel pretty free when I'm here to just take the conversation in whatever, whatever direction it feel like it's pulling me yeah so that maybe that's nice to not uh be somewhere where you feel like you're having to answer to someone's agenda yeah and really i kind of feel like with jeffro we, we just there was so much to talk about with jeffro that that's where i kind of missed the boat because i really wanted to get more into the personal life of jeffro and hang out where we ended up just having a lot of like skydiving questions with him <laughs> where we're said and don't i mean you just couldn't help it the dude's done so much badass stuff yeah but I, I just love the freedom of what these guys bring. So if you guys and gals are listening tonight, watching tonight, we are going to be a, a little bit more open format than normal. Uh, Nick really built this the two-way no-plan jam, and that, that is That's exactly, exactly what it is. exactly what's happening. Hey, speaking of things ha- happening in October, do you know what's happening on October 26th? Man, um, well, there's a XRW camp um, in who, Houston. Who gives a shit? People in dresses and guys with small parachutes. (laughs) Well, that's not what I was talking about, but hey, that means more people watching the film festival. Maybe more people contributing videos to the film festival. Dude, Jeremy Carnop just posted a really cool video, bummed that he doesn't, that he's like, well, now I guess I have to do my own edit. I said, well, maybe you showed at the film festival. And he immediately was like, yes, I will. Do it. So, uh, and if you don't want to do that edit, find someone who's good at, edit, at editing that'll take your good footage and do something with it. There's a crew of the Unlimited Jump Package where none of them could figure out what to do because none of them really feel good about editing, but they all have killer footage. And <laughs> if you're just watching this, Nick is making love. I am doing to nothing the of the sort. <laughs> um, but they found one of the guys who is wanting to edit and who can't edit, and they're compiling their videos together and making a good, fun edit. Man. Well. Some of these prizes don't really split more than one way, right? No, they don't. Spe- speaking of prizes yeah. that we heard of this week, why don't you drop that hot news? Dude, so Cookie, Cookie Helmets, they have in the last couple of years given us 30% off of a G3 or a fuel helmet. And there's a really nice shot of a brand new G4 helmet in the, uh, in the promo video. Did you notice it? Dude, it's a gorgeous G4 helmet. And this year... Did I say G3? I thought you it, said it's G4. a G4. I thought you said G4. It's definitely a G4. This year, they are not going to supply 30% off of a G3. They're not going to supply 30% off of fuel. Instead, it's 100% off of a G4. Oh my golly. You want that hot, fresh G4 helmet on your head. Are you telling me I could win a brand new G4 from Cookie Helmets by just winning the film festival? By sharing your fun footage, by sharing your fun skydives and making your friends laugh. You can win a brand new $429 G4 impact rated, impact protected, snag resistant, fully protective helmet, man. It is super comfy. How do you feel? How do you like yours, man? Dude, it's it's so comfortable and good looking. I haven't jumped it that much. <laughs> I've jumped it a few times, but it's so it's so good looking. I don't want to put a camera on it and distract from how good looking it is. And uh, so I've I've flown it in the tunnel more than I've jumped with it, but man, man, it's comfy. Man, I'm absolutely loving mine. It is super comfy. One thing that I had a problem with, and Chris Fudala actually has overcome, and and what it is is it's such a nice snug profile and fit that if you're wearing sunglasses under your helmet, 
it actually pushes on your temple. And the first couple of jumps, it's actually fairly uncomfortable. But the impact protected liner is going to actually mold just a little bit to the frame of your glasses. And now he says he's got no issues. Very quickly, it's put a little groove in the side of his helmet. So it is super comfy and adjusts to whatever sunglasses you're wearing. Yeah, I think maybe it's got a little bit of a, of a break-in period, right? Yeah, absolutely. My G3 was the same way. My G2 wasn't as much. The G2 also had a much softer liner, so it really didn't need to break in too much. Ooh, what's that on the screen? Oh, I'm just putting up the uh, Film Festival promo video while we're, while we're talking about it. Yeah, Valerie and I last weekend, she, she likes to go shopping, buy some clothes for whatever. And there's an outlet mall north of town that she really wanted to hit up. It has all the right stores for her. And when I walked by the Adidas store, I sang that song the rest of the day. Oh, good. Yeah. I'm sure she was very pleased about that. Oh, she didn't hear me sing. Oh, she, okay. Yeah. Right. She would go into whatever store she'd want to go into, and I'd go into Fossil and buy a nice watch or something like that. Oh, here's a shot of that G4. Oh, my God. Oh. Yeah, so that's pretty awesome that they're uh, that they're willing to... Do that whole helmet. It's, it's one of the prizes, right? Yeah, it's one of the prizes, man. I want to throw a huge shout out to Jason Cook, the owner of Cookie Composites. Uh, Marty Bowd is actually the sponsorship director, and he's the guy who made the approval for this. Nick Kaminsky is a U.S. Uh, distributed U.S. rep for Cookie. Uh, these guys have shown us a lot of support over the years, and I can't thank Cookie enough for the support they've given the show. I can't thank them enough for the support they've given the industry. And one of my favorite parts is Jason Cook is probably one of the biggest fans of the sport you'll meet. Like Nationals is going on right now, and you could ask him what's going on. He'll tell you anything, everything, who's who, and what's going on. He just doesn't He doesn't just own a skydiving company. He is probably one of the biggest skydiving fans I've ever met in my life. How closely have you been following Nationals? Pretty effing close, man. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. I update it multiple times a day. I'm keeping up the scores, watching who's doing what. It's, dude, it's been fun. Sorry, I'm playing the GoPro promo video right now. Dude. That they're going to have, uh, I don't know if it's a release or an announcement that's coming on October 1st, but. Uh, that, I'm going to guess, is the announcement, and my guess is the release is immediate. Well, that looks like a shot of a GoPro 8, if you look real close. Yes, right? it does, especially and with the 8 this second this next marker. shot looks like a shot of a Fusion 2. Yep. So that's, I think, their, their second uh, 360 camera. So over the years, including this year, GoPro is also supporting us with a camera, a GoPro 7. And I'll just explain last year. Last year, they supported us with a GoPro 6. Right after the beginning of the month, they announced a GoPro 7. And instead of sending us a 6, they sent us a 7. Same thing the year before. As a matter matter of fact, the first person to ever have a GoPro 6 on our drop zone. Yeah, it was uh, Danny, Danny, right? After she won the film festival with a... With 0% her footage. Yeah, 0% her footage. She had 100 skydives, can't even wear a camera, and the girl won a free camera, man. It's so obviously we can't make any promises, but it would be really cool if GoPro came came through with a, a new GoPro 8, and it would certainly follow with what they've done the last couple of years. Yeah. Worst case scenario, a free GoPro 7. You can't be mad at I'll that. I'll take it, especially with the, if you haven't done the latest update on your GoPro 7 that came out, I think, mm-hmm. just a couple of weeks ago, man, do that shit. Because my GoPro has been working flawlessly since that last update. Man, one of the biggest internet critics I've ever met in my life is a guy named Gregory N. Flint, or N. Flint, <laughs> Flint whatever. But yeah. Greg is what we know him as. Oh, Greg. Greg constantly posts. He will call your shit out on the internet if you have a company and he's not happy with your product. And out of nowhere, Greg went from dogging GoPro on their post to praising them, backing them up, supporting them, and telling everybody what you just said. And it's cool to see that they've got their firmware squared away. 
Yeah, I uh, I'm looking it up right now to see when this update was released. But most, if you have, if you ever synced your GoPro with your phone, your phone will probably prompt you to do the update. But I do the update manually because every time I've ever had an issue, they've asked me to update it manually. So this came out August 14th, so uh, just over a month ago. So if you haven't updated your camera in the last month, go go do that. Man, oh, by the way, flycookie.com. Go check out their website. Go check out their social media, Instagram, Facebook. They're all over the place. Uh, check them out. I, uh, we commonly pre-roll our ads when we do the show. Tonight we're doing our ads live, so there's a little shout-out to our boys at Cookie. That was a huge uh, reason why I decided to go check out PIA. Like I was super on the fence until on the first day of the symposium, I saw people posting pictures of the G4, and I was like, okay. That's gonna it's gonna be worth it just to go and try on one of these stupid. Homes. Was it worth a limo ride? <laughs> uh, it was worth that limo ride. Yes, <laughs> dude. Oh my god! Yeah, what a trip. So that brings me up to the second uh, sponsor tonight, the second advertiser that we're gonna bring up, and that's our boys at LB Altimeters. LB Altimeters has always brought the heat when it comes to anything Gravity Lab related, especially the film festival. Ah. If you're watching this on Facebook, you see me diving over some things here. But for the film festival, the winner, man, we've already mentioned a GoPro. How much does that cost? Uh, I think a new GoPro is three ninety nine right now. And then we mentioned well, a four hundred and twenty nine dollar helmet. And now what I have in my hand is an Aries two and a Protract two, three hundred and fifty and four hundred dollars, seven hundred and fifty dollars in all in altimeters, audible and uh, visual. Metal body, glass green. The Aries 2 is waterproof down to a meter for, I forget how much time. I'm supposed to know that answer. I did the testing for, for it. But, but you can crash in the pond and your altimeter's going to live. Dude, you, Nick Law is the roughest man I've ever seen on visual altimeters in my life. I will beat the shit out of those. I have never in my life seen one. So, uh, dude, I have a collection. Like, I've got a couple dozen altimeters in that closet mm-hmm. that are beat up and fucked up, and I've never seen one as shitty as yours, yep. ever. I, I win. And... You know what's funny the the wristband uh-huh. the 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 rubber part yeah. I've gone through three of the wristbands not because the elastic has has stretched out but actually the uh, the rubber part that, enc- that encases the altimeter I've had so many uh, slaps from the guide ring to that that it actually cuts the rubber part yeah, and yeah. It starts to come open so I've gone through three of those already and there's still not a scratch on the face of the altimeter which is Dude, Which is pretty awesome. If this thing's if this thing's Nick Lot proof, it's anybody proof. Well worth it. Highly recommended. I love my Aries two, Protract two, Freefall computer, Audible altimeter, four beeps on the ride to altitude, four beeps in freefall, four beeps under canopy. You can't beat it. It keeps you as altitude as where as possible. Micro USB port so you can plug it into logging software. Man, seven hundred and fifty dollars worth of Audible and visual freefall altimeters. From LB Altimeters, check out lbaltimeters.com. Find them on Facebook, find them on social media, find them on Instagram. Thank you to our boys at LB Altimeters for supporting the film festival. Guys, gals, we've already mentioned well over $1,000 in prizes. Yeah, you're saying I could make a cool video. You can't. And I, <laughs> but if I was someone else, if I was anyone else in the world, in fact, I could make a cool video, submit it to the film festival, have a good time watching it with all my buddies, yes. win that GoPro 7, maybe 8, Win those altimeters over there. Win a free G4 helmet. 
Swoop shorts from a tan day week. Swoop shorts. Eight free jumps from skydive space. Skydives. Option Studios is not committed to what they're going to give, but it's been a free wind blade, a free custom jersey, all sorts of shenanigans. Well, that sounds like reason enough to sit down and spend some time making an edit. I have not got... Yeah, how many other sponsors did we just leave off? I have not got confirmation from Blake Johnson at Velocity Sports Equipment, Infinity Rigs, but they have traditionally given 20% off the entire rig. That doesn't sound like a big deal, but you get 20% off the base price on most deals and very little off the options. 20% off the options as well is huge. So I'm going to hit up Blake and see if he, we can get that deal again. I just have left that question out in the dark. Um, just kind of been slacking on asking them. That's all there is to it. Well, I sent them a very nice video about their Mard recently. Dude, that was such a dope video. It's pretty good. Did, did I, I sent you the finished one, yeah, right? Yeah. The, the it's actually on the desktop of, of that monitor. Oh, the, really? The, uh, what's this, mo- the middle monitor? Yeah. Well, I won't, I won't show that to the world just yet. If it comes up on VLC, it'll come up on VLC on that monitor. If you mm-hmm. just wanted to show the intro part of it, if you wanted to tease it, which I don't well, know if we should. I don't know. I'd, I'd rather let them unveil it to the world. I, I'm, yeah, I'm pretty happy with that opening. Yeah, I definitely but, uh, want we, to, to tease it, but we shouldn't. We can say, though, that we have finished all of the test jumps for uh, for Velocity's MARD. Mm-hmm. All those jumps are finished. Paperwork's being filed, so they're one step closer to being able to offer that MARD to uh, people ordering new rigs. Man, and uh, I will tell you, it's coming super soon. Kelly Farrington, the owner of Velocity Sports Equipment. What's up, Debbie Marvin Fincher? My sister, your bestie, just tuned in, so I got to throw a big shout out to my sister. Love her to death. I did not just make a kissy face at your sister. That did not happen. Dude, I cannot wait to see her next month. Um, I forget what we were saying. Oh, yeah, man. So they're in the final phases. They are just putting a couple things together. Uh, we have just little tweaks to the marketing stuff that we want to get out there before we fully release it. How to inspect the Mard. Maybe I'm giving a little bit of a secret away, but I'll give it away. I'll probably get in trouble with Kelly. It is a fully inspectable by the jumper Mard. Never seen it before in my life. Man, little video on that, a little video for packing for the riggers. Those things are going to eventually happen over time. As those happen, Kelly's going to uh, get that rolled out sooner than later. There's a lot of neat shit coming up. I don't know if you spoke with Blake or Kelly about some of the upcoming releases. I liked your uh, double entendre. My, my, oh, <laughs> oh, I did not mean to do that. I get it now. But uh, not, not super far in depth. Yeah. Hey, John Victor. Yes, the awesome Infinity Mard. And John Victor, congratulations. If you were the same John Victor for your second place finish at the PD Bullseye Accuracy Challenge at, uh, I think that one was the orange, bro. So, uh. Look like a tight score. Look like you're putting up some heat, man. Keep it up, dude. Um, yeah, I watch a lot of skydiving shit, man. I follow people. It, it, it's fun That's to watch. cool. That's cool. Man, you're, you're good with names, man. I, I, it's funny because I've seen you forget my name. What's your name? <laughs> exactly. But, uh, but man, r- way to go. Well, if Got I good read memory. it, I'm good. It, it's not that I, I can't. I can't remember names when I'm looking at your face. But if I read a name, I can almost always tell you who it is. But that's about it. I also watched the video from the PD Accuracy Challenge about 20 minutes before you showed up. So, John okay. Victor. All right, fresh was in your memory. All right, I'm less fresh. impressed. Yeah. Um, how did your families react when you told them you were going to start skydiving? I did not tell them I was going to start skydiving until after I started skydiving. What about you, Nick? Yeah, I don't think I really told anybody. I, I remember telling my mom. And I remember she said, gosh, I always wanted to do that when I was young. Connie? Connie, Connie, yes. that's, that's my mom. Connie and David. Yes, sir. Oh. Nailing it. 
I'm getting names today. But she, I went and showed her my video. I went over to her house and brought the, the DVD of my first jump, and she was so excited. I remember her crying about it that she thought it was so cool. But I don't think that uh, I don't think any of us knew that I was going to get into skydiving the way that I did after that. And she she's still fully in denial that I that I jump out of airplanes. <laughs> really? Like this is a few trips home ago. She was like, "So do you get nervous? Like when you fly? Like when you when you fly home when you get on an airplane, you get nervous?" Oh, Nick just turned off his mic. He's trying to learn how to operate a microphone again. It. Dang, man. We Sorry, it stuck right on the little uh, rubber band part. <laughs> oh, my God. Watching Nick handle this microphone. Sorry, that was a panic moment. Oh, and it's, I was on the video. Great. Um, <laughs> no, but she still asks me if I get nervous to fly on an airplane. And it's like, Mom, you know what I do for work, right? You know that I'm on airplanes all day long. Oh, she's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't think about that. I pretend like you don't do that. Dude, my parents, I came home from my first skydive. My parents lived at the time in Indiana. They still do. I was in San Diego. Hey, yo, guys, I just came back from my first skydive. I just made a jump, and they weren't shocked one bit. I skateboarded as a kid. I did a bunch of stupid, dangerous things. I hurt myself a lot. So they're like, yeah, yeah, par for the course. We expect you to jump out of airplanes. And they were never bad about it. They never were, were haters of it. And actually fully supportive. And at some point I said, hey, guys, I'm going to quit my job and go skydive full time. And my dad very quickly kind of said, um, have you thought about this? What about money? What about that? You know, he's worried about my future. And I said, look, dad, here's the numbers I'm looking at. Here's what's going on. I am going to have a sacrifice to my cost of living. Um, did you just shut down OBS? I just uh, showed the desktop and okay. closed all of my windows. <laughs> I was like, man, everything just went dark in the yeah, room. I just went to hit shifty and hit control D, which means desktop. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, and so he asked some questions. I had legit answers. I had good answers. When I had the good answers, he became super supportive. And my parents went from being uh, okay with me skydiving and supportive to knowing more about skydiving than me. Like if I go visit my dad and we're anywhere... I don't tell people I skydive for a living. I hide the fact that I skydive because I answer enough skydiving questions as it is. What if it's a pretty girl? I do. Pretty girls <laughs> don't do much for me anymore because I'm married to the prettiest one out there. Good move. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She didn't even listen to the show. What am I doing? Yeah, you're not getting any points right um, now. No, I, I just I don't generally talk about it. But my dad will tell like, our server at any restaurant, the person on the crosswalk we just passed. It doesn't matter. Like, oh, yo, yo, hey. You're walking the shit out of this crosswalk. By the way, my son's skydiver. Yeah. He will tell them how skydiving works. Gosh. And for a while, I would have to correct him. Like, mm, that's not quite how it works. Dude, I love listening to tandem students talk about their first jump and what they think just happened. I love when it's they great. come for their second tandem and tell their group of first timers how it's going to be. Or when they have five <laughs> skydives and they're talking someone through malfunction junction who has wow. two skydives. I enjoy it. Uh, yeah, don't do that. Yeah. He I, says he enjoys that, but if you're that person, don't be that person. Yeah, I enjoy it because I yeah don't be that person. I enjoy it because there's not much I can do but get frustrated or be entertained. <laughs> there's entertainment there. Yeah, I take yeah. entertainment. So with my dad, I stopped correcting him because now it becomes super entertaining. I do. I'm going to keep answering some questions real quick. And um, man, yeah, John, that is the right John Victor. Uh, how many skydiving rigs have you had in your skydiving career, Nick? Ooh, that's a good question. Let's see. The first rig I bought was a uh, dolphin. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. You really? I thought you were fucking with me. Dolphin but. with snaps for the riser oh, covers. Perfect. Bro. No, I had a, a vector <laughs> that was pretty old, and it was it was pink or man, magenta on the uh, lower riser covers, mm -hmm. which I painted or I dyed them black, 
because I was not, I don't know, I thought I was too cool or maybe not cool enough to be rocking pink on a rig. Which is ironic because today. Because now you know it. I would love that shit. You crush it. But I guess I guess 19 year old me wasn't as confident. But uh, yeah, a couple of vectors, a couple mirages. So that's one, two, three, four. I'm probably on my sixth rig, fifth or sixth. What about you? I'm ordering number 10 right now. Wow. So, and I'm ordering my new rig. You excited? Oh, dude, I'm fucking Jones. And it's going to be what color? Not black and red, yo. I heard you're incorporating some blue. Well, so uh, first of all, I'm not designing the rig at all. I hit up Adam Buckner at Option Studio. Said, bro, who is the guy? He is the guy, and he does actually uh, do does help with a lot of custom Infinity orders. And said, bro, I need a new rig. I'm ordering a new rig through Infinity. Customize it, make it super dope. Logo it out. Have a lot of fun. Blue and gold are the colors I'm thinking. But Dude, not blue, that would be awesome. Not black and red. That's the one rule I told him. It's not black and red. Blue and gold is my preference, but do whatever you do and show me what you have. Get wild. So I'm hoping for no symmetry. Like, I love how yours is not symmetrical. I love how, I think you have one color on one side and one on the other. Yeah, yeah, for the for the, the big chunks the, of the, the lower part of the container. Yeah. So uh, that, that will be my, I believe, 10th rig. Um, and whew, dude, it's been a while. Dude, my first rig. So riser covers, you know, we have magnetic riser covers. We have tuck tabs. We did those to get away from Velcro riser covers, but Velcro riser covers were far superior to the snap riser covers. You mean snaps like when I think of a regular button, right? Yeah. Like when you button your pants and they snap together when you're a child, they go snap. You know, you got the female and the male button cap that click yeah. together. Like how my hook knife is still attached. To yeah. Yeah, exactly. That is what my riser covers were when I got my first fucking rig, dude. Wow. <laughs> it's just, it's crazy. How and Velcro, Velcro was next level. Yeah. Velcro Man. was taking it up. Dude, there was, oh my God, maybe eight years ago, I was standing in the loading area at Skydive Spaceland. And a dude standing in front of me with a dolphin on his back. And I said, yo, bro, where'd you get that rig? <laughs> and he immediately turns around and gets lightly like defensive. Like he thinks, I'm going to say, you're wearing a dolphin. You shouldn't be wearing a dolphin. But and you were actually psyched about his rig? I was, dude. And I could tell immediately he was getting like, oh, my, bro, before you go any further, before you worry, I want to tell you. I want to know where you got that rig because that is my very first skydiving rig. And he knew who I was. He he had recognized me. He goes, Dude, this is your first rig. I'm like, absolutely. The legally insane. I'd unstitched the dolphin, and actually, it said legally insane on the back of my rig. So I, it's there's no doubt it was my rig. And then, of course, when we pulled it out and looked at the data cards and everything, like, yeah, this is my first fucking skydiving rig. I've seen my first brand new canopy show up at Spaceland. I've seen my first container show up at Spaceland just randomly to the drop zone. How many years, like, since you had sold those those things? Oh man, the container was ten years wow. easily. The canopy was more. So it was, and some did walk. Jesus, you know, they make new parachutes, you guys. Yeah. The parachute was purple, 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 orange, white, orange, white, orange. Didn't always jump yellow, uh, per- black and red. And they were team parachutes for our free flight team. Mm-hmm. So, A, who's going to jump those god-awful, gaudy colors? And so the guy walks up, and I'm like, hey, yo, bro, your parachute. It's got a yellow patch on the center cell. How do you know? He just looked at me like, how do you know? That was my first brand new parachute, bro. And this guy had no clue. He was ran to visit any stranger. Didn't know who I was from Adam or Eve. And so we started talking. And I'm like, you want to know how that patch got there? And told him a cool story. We had good laughs. Made a friend. Don't know his name. But Sounds it, like a really close friend. It, dude, he, we're best friends now. We're besties. Perfect. What's his name? What's his name? So that was kind of the story of my first gear. Um, 
How, that's how many rigs I've had in my skydiving career. Um, I do want to skip this for now. Who is your skydive hero? And who is your non-skydive hero? I need a hero. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, but I do want to fast forward. What is, what's been the most satisfying skill acquired in skydiving? Whatever one you're working on. Yeah. Whatever one you decided is the thing you got to figure out how to do. And that it's super unsatisfying once you become like just proficient once that tool is in your tool in your toolbox. Yeah. It's like, yeah, fuck that. That's stupid. I remember when I, I wanted to fly head down more than anything. I was like, I knew Yo, so yo, yo, heads down. I wanted to fly <laughs> heads down. And uh my my progression of learning head down was in the tunnel. And I watched someone like when the Utah tunnel was brand new, there well, there wasn't a lot of people that were on the level of even just flying like neutral static head down. Not many people were doing that. And I remember seeing this guy. I don't remember who it was or where he was from, but he was tra- he was visiting from some other tunnel. And homeboy could just like transition to his head and take some grips and transition back to his feet. And I was like, man, that's it. He's the guy. Like when I can do that, I'm going to be a skydiver and I'm going to have all the skills I need. Right. That's this is all I'm thinking. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, when you when you first when you take that first grip on your head and you let go of it and you keep flying on your head it's like yeah i am i'm doing it and then you do it 10 more times maybe you're going to be happy about it the, you know for a, a day or two and then it's like okay what's next cuz that's stupid now <laughs> it makes me laugh because i know you so well and you're now never happy you never see a goal and think you're going to be satisfied when you meet that goal you just know now you're going to have a next goal so to know there was a version of you who goes, I'm going to be the shit when I get there. <laughs> like, that's just not the Nick lot I know today. Well, I mean, I was wrong when I thought that. And that's why I don't think that now. Yeah. I, uh, I have probably a little more peculiar, unusual answer, and it's self-awareness. The skill I've learned the most from the sport is self-awareness. And it started with body awareness because really I didn't know what my body was doing in the sky, like most of us. And, and I learned a lot through time. And then the hardest thing to do on any skydive is to breathe and relax, to chill and, and to actually let yourself be in the moment. And the self-awareness and free fall to relax and to calm myself down. You remember the movie Demolition Man? <laughs> Enhance your calm. Hang on. That's with Sylvester Stallone Wesley and Wesley Snipes. He doesn't know about the three seashells. Yes. Okay. Yes. I know. I know this movie. Oh, uh, <laughs> what's the sexy girl's name? Sandra Bullock. Sandra Bullock's yeah. in that movie. Oh, yeah. I love Sandra Bullock. She's looking real good. In the future, every restaurant is Taco Bell. <laughs> which to me is not a bad gig, man. Um, the uh, um, and it can enhance your calm. So it really helped me enhance my calm and free fall. And ultimately, teaching skydiving became a huge skill set of mine and the self-awareness I had to gain to be a better teacher. So probably not, Tyler Smith asked that question, probably not right up the alley of what you were asking, Tyler, but that's actually what I uh, gained the most from it. So... Um, Jimmy Correa says, how many jumps do you recommend before trying to fly head down? 10,000. <laughs> Nick, I'm going to let you I mean, Do you that. think it's, a, is it a serious question? Oh no, for sure. I think he's legit asking. So, I mean, I think that anyone, hang on, I'm just finding the trailer for Demolition Man, so I'll let <laughs> play while I answer this. Oh wait, hang on, I skipped to the end. Oh, I love this movie, dude. Um, I think more than a number of jumps, I think it's just a skill set that you need to have before you learn head down. Some people learn it faster than others, and some people are tunnel instructors before they start skydiving. So these people are the obvious obvious exceptions, right? Yeah. But if you have 10 hours of tunnel time and you've already worked on finding a, a neutral and you're coming up off the net and you have, you know, 150 jumps, 
yeah, we can probably start teaching you some head down stuff in the sky. But if you have 30 jumps and you think that just because you can imagine being upside down in the sky that that means you're okay to go out and start trying to fly head down, you're super wrong. <laughs> and not, you're going to you're, you're probably going to be able to get yourself into an orientation where it feels like you're upside down. And most of the people that are doing that are tracking on their back at a pretty steep angle and covering a lot of ground. So if your awareness of your heading isn't the very first thing in your mind, then there's a really great chance that you are moving closer or further or closer to another group. And uh, that's super unsafe. And if you don't realize how unsafe that is, that's one more reason that you shouldn't be flying head down. But uh, you should definitely learn how to sit fly before you learn head down. And you should definitely have an okay back fly before you learn how to sit fly. And before you start fucking around on your back, you should have learned how to fly on your belly, how to have basic formation skills on your belly, how to approach, fly your slot, properly take a grip, properly break off, and be aware of canopy traffic. So as soon as you have all of those things, and I think that's the order it should go in, right? Learn, learn on your belly first. Yeah. Develop all the, the skills of jumping with other people on your belly because that's where it's the easiest. And then once you have that, now, now, you're, now you, you have the fundamentals in that one orientation. Now you're going to spend a few jumps back flying because back flying is not a, you know, it's not a big skill that we use in skydiving all that much so much as it's a, a stepping stone. If we're talking about tunnel flying, back flying becomes a way more useful skill especially when you're doing things like layouts and carving. But um, so in this guy, you're going to do a few jumps on your back just to make sure that you can keep up a fast fall rate and not spin out of control and recover from your, from your back. And then you're going to start moving to your, to your feet. And as long as I don't think it's super important to be able to like approach and take docks on your feet uh, as much as it is to have uh i mean approach i think is important but to actually like fly static and take grips that's kind of debatable whether that's an important skill depending on what your ultimate goal is i think control would be a key word i mean control is super important to be able to be you know how close you and i are here keep the you know keep the fall rate keep that level of proximity and know how to break off from that skydive but if i couldn't come over and you know stick out both my hands while I'm sit flying at the same time. I don't think that's the, the end of the world, especially if your goal is like angle flying where, you know, there's a lot of movement and you're seldom, seldom taking grips, but you're going to find a time <laughs> that you're going to need to take grips and not, not that's going to be part of the plan and you're not going to be able to do it, which I can tell you from experience is super frustrating. And, uh, but once, once you have that basic sit flying skill set that when you're on your head, you're, you're trying to learn on your head and you need to bail that you can safely bail right to your feet. Yeah. And then you're going to be able to and attempt your it. back. Yeah. I mean, you're back at the very least, but if you're going to have to bail to your back, recover to your feet before you can do anything else, you're going to get a lot less learning in, in a normal skydive where if you can just bail from your head to your feet and then you're going to try and transition back from there or go to whatever the next part of the plan is from there. I think that's a lot you're going to make a lot more uh, efficient use of your free fall time if you're not falling, you know, losing total control on your head, getting on your back, trying to figure out how to transition back up to your feet, and now try and figure out how to transition to your head. You're just wasting a lot of time. Where if you were actually a solid sit flyer first and a solid belly flyer before that, you're going to have uh, a lot easier time learning. Yeah. So to try and put a number on what it looks like to start to learn head down, I think is very difficult because. Uh, Everyone has such a different skill set. I know people with 20,000 jumps who cannot free fly at all. 
So <laughs> <laughs> I only have 8,500, but that's me. But still, that, that jump number doesn't mean very much, is, is I guess the point that I'm after. Yeah. So I think that you pay less attention to the jump numbers, more attention to the skill set. And the if you can't be honest with yourself about what your skill set is, then uh, jump with people who are honest with you about what your skill set is. Yeah. And that's where a coach comes in. I'm going to put a little different spin on your answer, and I love your answer. I completely agree with Nick, but before I do... Uh, John Victor, do me a favor and explain your question a little bit more, kind of ask it a little bit differently. Uh, Nick, think about the question. With various feedback mediums, video coaching data like FlySight and Altitrack data, for learning, what modality should be more prominent for a skydiver at 50, 200, 500, 1,000 jumps? Now that I read it out loud, I think I understand the question better. But I want to go back to John for a second. Uh, Excuse me, not John, but Jimmy. And I like to explain the question for anything, canopy flight, free flying, belly flying, angles, whatever, in the term of potential versus kinetic energy. Potential energy, energy that's stored up, the more we store up, the more kinetic or the more uh, actual energy we get, right? And I call it potential versus kinetic learning. If I immediately release my potential learning or my potential energy, the kinetic energy or learning I have just very quickly plateaus. There's no energy built up. So you might have an immediate steep learning curve, but you don't carry any energy for a long time. So you flatten out that learning curve for a long time. If instead you learn on a little bit slower curve, a little bit smarter curve, and you build up all this potential learning, you build such a strong foundation, a strong base, now you have so much learning energy saved up that when you finally let go and you finally take it to the next level, your learning curve will have so much more kinetic energy or kinetic learning that you're going to learn faster for a longer amount of time. In the long run, you will learn faster. Early, you will learn slower. But at the end, you will be a better and a more accomplished skydiver in a quicker amount of time. And I find that super true with canopy coaching. And that's where I really first came up with this conversation. Uh, then I find it true with anything else in flying that I've, I've learned to come to since. So I like my to, nerd version. For, for me, I, and I'm still, t- I guess, speaking to the free fly version of this question, and I think it's an important conversation because I think that it's something that doesn't get directly a- addressed in most people's uh, progression. That, like, imagine Travis Pastrana doing the double backflip, right? Dude. It took him a really long time to learn that. And if you started riding a motorcycle today with the goal of doing the double backflip, like imagine that you're a, whatever the motorcycle equivalent of an A, a license is, that you can ride the bike, you can switch gears, you can not fall over. Like that's, imagine that's your skill set and you're going to go out and try and huck the double backflip. How do you think that that ends up? Pretty gnarly. It's not going to end well, right? I'm going to make a good YouTube video. But with, with skydiving, we have the same level of non-success when people are trying to, to learn that way of, oh, I just got my A license. I'm going to go fly head down. But you have little people, big sky working on our side so that when you go and you do something that's drastically unsuccessful because the sky is very big, it still feels like success, right? Mm-hmm. That you didn't, you know, you didn't have the crash landing at the end of the double backflip to tell you that you're doing it wrong. And uh, there's an equal amount of things to learn between learning how to sit on the bike, learning how to go down a ramp, learning how to be stable in the air, learning how to do flips. Like that's the same progression that we should have from basic belly flying in your A license to head down as there is in motorcycles or mixed martial arts or I mean, same same thing. Imagine that you are learning jujitsu and you just got your white belt and you're going to go fight an expert UFC fighter, like it's not going to end well. And I'm going to have a dislocated shoulder. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> go, go, Power Rangers. Go, go, DJ's shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> 
But uh, I think, again, because the sky is so big and you're out there jumping by yourself when you're working on this stuff, that you don't realize how poorly it's going because you're not getting the immediate feedback that most sports would provide you with. So uh, take it slow. Uh, check the skills off in the, the in order that, that makes sense and at a pace that makes sense. And if you have 50 jumps and you think you are the next fucking badass whatever free flyer, I mean, there are natural flyers out there, but, man, they are uh, few and far between. So uh, take it slow, get some coaching, and have people who will give you uh, honest feedback about how you're doing. Of all, I, I've met and got to know a lot of some of the most badass skydivers in the world. Not because I'm anybody special, but if you skydive long enough, you have enough exposure, you'll meet a lot of these people. And what percentage of people who are some of the best in the world have told me when they were brand new jumpers, they knew they were going to be the best in the world with the arrogance or like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change the sport. They strive no, to you're be fucking the best. Not. They strive to be good. <laughs> but none of them thought those things that you're thinking. If, if you have that arrogance, man, know that very few champions really worked out that way. So do, do you want to come back to this question about what method of uh, skill progression feedback video coaching flight data gives the greatest yeah. benefit for skydivers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So do you want to go first? No, I want to see your interpretation of the question. So, I mean, I, I think he he's asking... You know, what, what's better, to fly with a coach or to fly with a fly site? What's going to give me more reliable feedback? Oh, man. So I think I flying, flying with, a, with a coach, especially at lower levels, I think is... You can, you can look at these numbers and interpret them any way that you want to. But if you're looking at your fly site data and it's telling you that you're backsliding, you can't just say, oh, darn, I'm backsliding and I know it now, so that's not going to happen anymore. It's not going to fix the problem. It might give you some information about what's happening. But I mean, I, I don't nerd out on on that level with the uh, with the fly site data. I think it's helpful, but I think it's like pretty secondary to. I mean, video you can see what you're doing. Coaching you can be told with it with the right coach what you're doing and how you can improve it. Let's see, video coaching flight data. Uh, I think coaching is number one on that list. Concur. Video video is second because you can at least see what you're doing. And if you have an understanding of how it should be done, then maybe you can give you know some some self coaching, and then flight data. I think maybe once you start to be successful with these things, the numbers that you get in the flight data can like reinforce your success or really like someone like uh, Luke uh, Ozzy Luke. What's his Rogers? Name? Luke Rogers. Like I think he can make really good use of that fly site data because he's at a level where now they're battling for hundreds of second hundreds of seconds, right? But I think that if you're if you're just learning to wingsuit and you're just figuring out you know glide ratio and how how to have a more efficient glide, yeah, maybe that stuff's a little bit valuable. But, but having someone like Jeremy Carnop on your side saying, "Hey, homie, you were arching the whole time, and that's not what we need in the suit," it's probably going to be a lot more valuable. Data is what coaching is why, and without why, it's really hard to truly learn, man. The human mind needs the word why. We so much rely on why to learn. I don't know how many times I've been an AFF instructor or a coach, and I explain to somebody how to do this. You're going to do this, you're going to do this, you're going to do this. And no matter how cleanly and clearly I explain it, some people just don't get it until I say, because this is what's going to happen. Oh, I get it now. The human mind just really needs why. Um, Nick Batch, it was really interesting listening to him talk because I do use fly site data canopy coaching with people regularly, 
but it's to help reinforce what and why. Having them together is great. So what are your uh, Canopy uh, course participants? What are, what are they learning from having a fly site on board? So it depends who they are. For example, hey, look, your pattern's not what you think it is. So I do really use it a lot to help people understand their pattern better. Um, I was coaching with a guy. I said, hey, bro, you're not doing a 90-degree turn on the final. Yes, I am. Okay, man, let's look at this video. And in the video, I dissect, look, right here in the video, we can see what plane you're at, yeah? The turn's done. You can see, he goes, no, I think that's a camera angle thing. I said, okay, cool, not a problem. Here, put this in your pocket. When we land, we'll look at it. It's a fly site. Look, it's a 45 degree, holy shit, I'm doing a 45 degree, degree, degree turn. Yes, you are. So in some cases, it's that. And then taking it to the further extreme, hey, look, when you're turning, look how much vertical speed you are or aren't building. Why are you not building as much speed? And I love it because watching Nick Batch the other day do some debriefs, he was showing Flysite Dad, and he goes, look, man, in the data here, you are flat for too long. So when we go to build that vertical speed, look at what your speed gets to. It's not that high. And then he shows another version, like, look how much more speed you get. And he actually takes the video and the Flysite data side by side and says, this is what's going on here. Look at the data. This is what's going on here. Look at the data. So honestly, great coaching with video is going to be tremendous. So that To me, that's the best place to start. Once you start getting a good comprehension and understanding, fly site data, I only think really becomes relevant to movement. Canopy flight, angles, tracking, because we want to see where we're going. Um, I, but man, I, I would add the data in last because it's just too much information. It's overwhelming. But at some point, you can get ca- uh, people going from coaching with video and data to data with occasional input because once i can teach you how to read that fly site once you can understand the data then it's relevant then it works you ask at what jump numbers uh john and i think those jump numbers don't really matter because there's guys with 200 jumps who know how to read the data way better than guys at a thousand jumps because we've never seen a fly site before in our life so back to Nick's free fly thing, it's more about a skill set and where you're at than it is a jump number and what you're doing. So I, I really hope, uh, John, that addresses your question. I don't know. I feel like it does, Nick. I, th- I think it does. Yeah. yeah. Um, Josh Harrington, what's up, Josh H? Isn't flight site more of a wingsuit thing, track where you went? Um, and absolutely, it is part of what it is, is track where you went, Josh. But a lot of vertical speed things can be understood. Um, you can read glide ratio, so not just wingsuiting. I've actually used it re- to record tracks of jumpers, and I can actually show you how efficient your track is. So when somebody comes down and goes, "Look, bro, I'm tracking really fast," like, "No, look, you're tracking really steep." You might not, you might feel like you're going fast, but it's because it's downward speed. So I can look at your glide ratio on a fly site. I can look at your forward speed, your downward speed. I can look at your altitude. I can look at how much altitude it took for you to cut away. <laughs> That's what we used it mm. for. So it really is a lot more. But, yeah, Josh, we see it dominantly in wingsuiting and canopy is where it is absolutely most helpful. So, Man, can we talk more about those cutaways and how much fun they were? Fucking yeah, <laughs> dude. So my favorite cutaway. You asked me this question recently. Mm-hmm. What was my favorite cutaway? Uh, I think the last one. Oh, <laughs> man, that was so much fucking fun. Um, I can't spill. I'm not going to spill the beans too much. But what I will say is. Let's just say there was a, some coordinated. Super coordinated. Fun. I'm going to give some information without giving too much. So on the cutaways, I have a main handle, a cutaway handle, a reserve handle, a cutaway handle for the reserve, and a reserve handle for the tersh. So I have five handles. I have to roll over on my back to fire that last reserve if we ever needed it, which we did not because everything passed successfully. 
on the last oh this whole time now Nick and I are wearing aircom so number one talking to each other was so much fucking fun hey Nick how much yeah how much fun is it to talk to your buddy under under canopy dude it under canopy leaving the plane the first time we really truly talked to each other I left the airplane now second time I left the airplane and said hey Nick can you hear me yeah I can hear you can you hear me dude I can hear you I'm falling away from the plane, looking at your grin, looking at me. And we're both like, holy fuck, you're flying away from me. I'm falling away from you. And we're still having a damn conversation. Mm-hmm. I think that was one of my favorite parts about the, the Mard testing overall was like I got to have conversations with you. Uh-huh. Got to chat up with, with Jeremy a fair bit. Got to talk with Rory a fair bit. And it's like you had to talk to Constantine. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Francisco wants... Uh, Will 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 once Jeff Witt did we we had oh yeah yeah Yeah, me and Jeff were talking yeah for sure and it was just so funny to see the the different types of like casual conversations that we could get into while flying parachutes either before or after dealing with the malfunction did anybody sing with you as much as I did no I definitely I definitely (laughs) think we sang the most and you know this will probably not make it in an edit anywhere because it doesn't have the maybe I could sync it up with the audio from from the camera of when when uh we were singing "Living on a Prayer" together in free fall. So I was gonna say, you want to tell the story? Oh, no. <laughs> so, dude, one of my favorite moments uh, when we did the total malfunction testing, we had to go at least twenty seconds of free fall uh, to get terminal, and then I had to fire my reserve. So Nick's like, "We'll go out, we'll face off with each other, we'll get faced off to the sun, and then I'll move to your side to let you fire the reserve." And the first time we get out there, and you started singing a song that we were already singing. So yeah, was, we were singing it in the plane, I think. Yeah, right? and I forget what it was. And without any plan, without telling me, you came up and grabbed my hand, turned me towards where you wanted me, let go, flew to my side. And it, it just it worked out very natural, man. It was, it was really a two-way, not much of a plan. It worked great. The second one we did, you and I have sung on the podcast, Living on a Prayer Together before. Mm-hmm. And you got out there and started singing that song. And man, when we sing together under Canopy and Freefall, we, we do sing some. When we started singing that song, we were belted. Uh, we were we were fucking amped up on that but, song. But I could still hear you so well through the through the comms. Yeah, and, and, and reading your lips, of course, I'm sure added to it. Yeah, and then w- what was the best part of that song? Well, about? the the best part is, and I hadn't planned this, but in in the song, the line is "Take my hand, we'll make it." I swear. And as this happens, I'm I'm already extending my hand like before before it's even a conscious thought that this 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 hilarious and wonderful moment is about to take place. So take my hand, we'll make it. I swear, as as I'm reaching my hand as we take the dock, which just feels like a normal part of the skydive. It was super fun. I man, to have a man tell me, "Take my hand, I'll make we'll make it." I swear, I never thought I would make that one of my most <laughs> memorable moments in life, but it is, dude. So all this craziness we have going on, on the last jump, we add to my comms a cable that goes to a fanny pack to a recorder, which is Nick's phone. So we're going to record my audio. So we have a live version of my audio. And my live audio is because we're going to record me speaking and singing, and that's all I'm going to tell you guys about that. Except for to make sure I sing in time and in tune with everything. Well, tune is another story, but in time with everything. <laughs> tune was close. We're going to say it was close. <laughs> Not even. Nick was going to sing the song with me to keep me on pace, but to make sure Nick was on pace, he had an MP3 player playing into his helmet. 
So I actually tell him I'm ready. He gives me a count in and we start singing this song together. So now I have a 360 camera on the front of my helmet with one of those stupid unicorn mounts that I'm dead set against with another cutaway handle. So I have three cutaway handles. Yeah, hold on. <laughs> I'm looking at an image of you right now on, yeah. on Facebook Live. So you've got a cutaway on the helmet. Yes. You've got a cutaway for the main, a cutaway for the reserve, which is kind of the second main, right? Yep. Uh, uh, <laughs> what looks like another riser on my left side, the right of the screen. Yeah, the weight there. Yeah. Yeah, so we've got cutaway, cutaway, reserve over here, your main handle behind you, cutaway on the helmet, reserve handle on the uh, turf rig. And a main canopy that was deemed unairworthy years ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, she, you know, I don't think anyone landed that canopy. No, we never the, did. In the 30 or 29 jumps, right? No, we didn't. Well, it sure was fun to find it. But I did catch the main canopy. That yeah, was that, one of my other favorite that, moments. Yeah, that's a... Uh, oh, maybe I should pull that up on the... That's on the film festival on the film trailer. Festival, yeah. Yeah. That, that was so cool, man. So that that was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. My scariest and second favorite one was I had not had a cutaway since 2003 until the beginning of this year. So the first test jump was my first cutaway since 2003. Number one. Number two... The MARD had been tested in loft over and over again. It had been fired and done all sorts of things with over and over again. But the MARD had never actually been used on a skydive until that first jump. So I ain't cut away in forever. It's my first uh it's it's my first cutaway in forever, and it's the first jump on the MARD. So my nerves, I felt like I would control them extremely well, but there's no doubt if you know me and you and you did notice that I man, that was so amped up nervous. That was so much fun. So, man. Hold on, here comes the catch. There Boom. it is. Catches the weight, catches yes. the canopy. <laughs> and I was so happy that I was that close to get it. It's oh, awesome. man. It was so funny because I actually heard you running up behind me or to my left. I heard you running up trying to catch up to me. Or what I eventually found out, you were going to try to beat me till you realized you had the shot and you went from canopy catcher to videographer mode. Yeah, it sure would have been fun to push you over, though. <laughs> Dude, knock me over. <laughs> I would have probably laughed just as hard had you done that move. That would have also been well worth it. So, um, any more you want to share about that test? Those test jumps because I we could talk about those for hours. I Man, really could. They, they were a lot of fun. I mean, stressful sometimes for sure. Complicated. I mean, the the checklist that I had to to do one of the test jumps, there was a lot to go through on every jump, and that list only came because. On every jump, that there, you know, there could be one thing that we overlooked. Did we check the winds? You know, because the, the winds can change huge in yeah. just a couple of hours. And making sure the comms were charged, making sure the cameras were charged, making sure we had coordinated with other hop and pops on the, the load. Pilot. Maybe we had, we had coordinated with the pilot. Make sure we had coordinated with with ground crew. So there, there were just a lot of a lot of things. So it was, uh, and I felt like a lot of it was my responsibility to, to make sure that it, all those things were in place because I didn't have the added stress of pulling handles right. I was just going to be there and <laughs> film the chaos. So yeah. I wanted, you know, whoever the test jumper was to have the least amount of stuff on their mind so they could just focus on pulling those handles in the right order. God forbid anyone actually had to land that round someplace and the thought that, hey, you know how far away some of these cutaways have landed? The round is kind of at the same whim or the, yeah. the same uh, mercy of, of the winds, right? Jeff Witt was a lifesaver to the cutaway system, though. Learning to add that weight to the cutaway so it drops straight down instead mm-hmm. of... Our biggest problem with the cutaways is the canopy would stay inflated. And because we're cutting away from sometimes <laughs> stable mains, and they would fly two to three miles on one case. It's ridiculous how far this thing would continue to fly. 
without a body underneath it. So it, it was, man, I can't tell you how much and how helpful it was that you took all those burdens on you because depending on the jump, there was 28, there were seven different scenarios we had to do. And those seven different scenarios could have had very different handle sequences. On this jump, pull the handles in order of one, two, three, four, five, if you needed them. Before you pull handle number five, you have to roll onto your back, back fly to pull number five. Uh, on another jump, the handle order is two, four, one, three, five. I, and it's like the, the handle order, and I'm just just say, naming them that way because I don't want to bore you guys with what the real words are. It just it was overwhelming, man. There was so much going on, and you watched how many times I would walk the handles. I just there was no way I was going to die on these test jumps or have a problem because I didn't know my procedures, especially being. I'm Mr. Safety in skydiving. I, I don't think anybody walked the handles as much as I did. I, I, did I think that's true also. Yeah, and I don't think the guys necessarily neglected. I'm not saying those guys weren't... Uh, were, uh, no, negligent. but to me, this seems like a situation where you can't really be overprepared, right? And yeah. it's either you've either got to have the brain that really slows down in this emergency situation and really thinks your way logically through what's happening on this potentially complicated malfunction... Or you just need to practice your your handles a lot of times so that that starts to become muscle memory. And I think we proved through our rehearsal of the opening line in the in the Mard video how many times we walked slash sang. Oh my that god, song. twenty to the, thirty. The power of repetition, right? How well it works. Do twenty to thirty walkthroughs. We were walking for that last jump in the landing area, way away from each other because we had comms, so we couldn't hear each other. Because we would hear each other and the comms, and there was that light delay or echo that screw our brain over. And 20, 30 walkthroughs, and people, like, at some point I talked to people, like, yeah, we watched you guys out there going, like, what the fuck? They, they knew what we yeah, were doing. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if, if something like that was happening in the landing area that didn't involve me, I would be watching it and be yeah. like, what, what are these assholes doing? Yeah. Thankfully, everybody realized what we were working on, and they both knew when we would separate ourselves in general at the drop zone to let us do our thing because we were probably doing something we needed to do. But it was a lot of fun. Uh, Jimmy, I asked, you guys did that at SS San Marcos. And Jimmy, if you're talking about the test jumps, no, we actually did the test jumps at Spaceland Houston. If I you're talking there about was the a little footage, bit of footage of, the, of yeah. the football jump. The football jump, then absolutely we are talking about that. And Brendan Doyle, I have not ignored your question, bro. We just haven't got there yet. So we will talk about, about that question. But we got plenty of time tonight. Um, Man, Nick, before we started the show, we both like, ah, nobody's going to ask questions. Who, who fucking cares? Who wants to know what we're talking about and listening to tonight, man? I can't thank you guys enough for interacting with us tonight, for asking questions, for getting involved, for, for uh, just pay, paying attention and tuning in. Derek Winfield, pros and cons of a semi-stoless bag. I'm going to get to you next, and then I promise you after that, Brendan, unless like some naked chick flashes up on the screen, we'll talk to, about your question as well. Um. Man, those test jumps were a super huge blast. Uh, that was, uh, but what? And we totally out of order now. I already lied. What, so what you're showing is videos from Texas. This, State? this is from yeah Texas State football. Then we did film this at Skydive uh, Spaceland San Marcos. And uh, Skydive Spaceland San Marcos is an official sponsor of Texas State football. Texas State athletics. Athletics. Yeah. Uh, we're doing demo jumps into the games. Uh, Nick put a phenomenally fun trailer together for the uh, for. Uh, the their event so it's super cool man uh nick will be sharing he's sharing the video on facebook right now but go check out a link he'll share that on facebook as well and the link is actually to the promo video and watch it 
in typical Nick Lott fashion, it is absolutely a lot of fun. So, man, the cutaways, guys, gals, we hope to see the mark come out soon. Uh, there are a lot of other cool options and Velocity Sports Equipment's coming out with. Uh, Kelly Farrington, the owner, over the years has collected these things he wanted to change and wanted to innovate and take things to the next level. And he's ready to step it back up. Uh, for years, Infinity was one of the leaders in innovation. And, and in my opinion, and maybe I'll get a little grief for this, but in my opinion, VSC at some point got a little stagnant, man. Their rig is still phenomenal. It's still great. But we didn't see a lot of more innovation or change. And part of it is because it is a phenomenal rig. Most customizable rig on the market. But Kelly's ready to no longer rest on those laurels. He's stepping the game back up. And, and the Mard and a bunch of other cool things will help announce as time goes along. Derek Winfield, pros and cons of a semi-stoless bag. Nick, did you know you jump a semi-stoless bag? <laughs> yeah, I knew that. Did you know you jumped two of them? <sighs> Your reserve is oh, a semi-stoless yeah, bag. Yeah, I, I did know that. So people constantly argue whether a semi-stoless bag is acceptable or, acceptable or not. Your reserve is a semi-stoless bag. There are two stoves. The locking stoves on your reserve, the rest go in a semi-stoless pouch, very similar to any other semi-stoless bag. The pros of a semi-stoless bag is it reduces bag tumble. So when your bag lifts up off your back, imagine each stow band unstowing and hindering the side so your bag rocks back and forth. So you get a little bit of uneven opening uh, potential. You get off-heading opening potential, things like that are more likely. Uh, bag pay, uh, line payout hesitation can create bag locks. Other things like that can happen. So you just get a lot uh, smoother canopy extraction, or, or excuse me, line payout, which leads to a smoother canopy extraction. It lets your canopy get, or your locking stoves get to the end and get all the full force of that pilot chute instead of actually getting that force resisted by those other bands. Uh, the downside, if you don't stow them cleanly, tension knots are very real and very likely if you have poor semi-stowless line stows. Super easy to keep clean line stows. It really is. So um, the, the other big con I know of is, to me, you need to be careful with the bag type you use and not really careful of the bag type. But when you're using different bags, careful how you stow. And so UPT's old bag, which is a Scott Roberts <coughs> design, the semi-stowless bag, the sides of the bag folded open. Their new bag, which people don't like as much, although I do prefer, the bag sides are stitched all the way to the side. So is Infinity. So the chances with an Infinity or Vector stowing your lines to wrap around the side of the bag by accident is impossible with their new bags. But if you're using some of the other styles, if you stow your stows, uh, your line stows around the bag so... They're off to the side of the bag, and when the bags close, the chance of that pinching your lines and creating bad line payout and now giving you line twist or severe spinning openings is very real. So just making sure you keep your lines on top of the bag in between those seams if you have that bag style, just that's a big difference. Nick, what else would you and say? I, I really like the speed of, of packing the semi-stolus bag. Yeah. It's a lot it's a lot quicker, and I feel like the, there's uh, less wear in those areas of my lines from having to yank out of the, the rubber bands. But and you don't have to change rubber bands as often. Yeah, there are fewer fewer rubber bands. Changes, I still have the the two locking stoves yeah. on on mine, but the uh, I have the the party bag from Infinity, mm -hmm. and it took me it took me a handful of jumps to figure out how to do it efficiently. And you you filmed me doing this move yes. of sticking my hands down into that pocket and just like. Uh, just like, like the, same, the same little move that a, the, a kitty would do, it really opens up that pocket. And I think that I only started doing that because I watched someone pack a reserve and put the lines uh, away 
and it's and I just kind of stole their method, but just shoved my hands in there to to make that room. Yeah, man, it's I still use regular stowed rubber bands, and a big part of it is is that's just something I've always had. It's something I've been used to. Uh, my next rig, I am considering the semi stowless bag, but I just. The extra time doesn't bother me. Yeah, I, I, for me, it was kind of one of those like old habits die hard sort of things. Yeah. As I was just used to a, a, a regular, you know, I don't know what you'd call it, a full stow bag. Yeah. And I thought that that's what I wanted. And I just, and you know, the the bag that I have, the semi stolas bag mm-hmm. does have it stitched on that if I wanted to add the rubber bands, I, I could. Yeah. And I almost did. And then I was like, hey, you know what? You fucking pussy. Just try a new thing and maybe you'll like it. And uh, I'm glad that I talked myself into it because it's it's a lot better. I like it better. Well, you just talked me into put, getting the bag because nothing else I could put rubber bands back on it. And it is without fail. I change rubber bands so often. Almost every jump I'm having to change at least one rubber band. So just the fact of not having to worry about rubber bands is going to be super nice. Super hippie of me and my wife, but... Less rubber bands is actually a good thing for the environment as well. It's shut it's the really fuck up. We're burning jet fuel, reducing my carbon footprint <laughs> and reducing the amount of fuel I'm burning. <laughs> so. Dude, that's that's a motherfucker that I really struggle with. Of like the carbon footprint that a skydiver leaves. Man, it's a lot. Uh, it's all a the petroleum to build your gear, your helmet, your jumpsuit, your parachute, your lines, your container, all of the oil made to make your gear and then get on an airplane and burn all that ab or that jet a it's all that white privilege Man. i mean for me what do you call it uh twinkie privilege <laughs> twinkie privilege <laughs> it's all about that twinkie oh so that's got um so yeah semi stolas bag i like them i think they're good i said um, get one um yeah i i do think i will plan on getting them. i've made the one. switch so i'll try that um i said there was there it is brendan doyle what do you think your guys' favorite boogies in the good old U.S. of A, USA, are best parties, best organizing, and activities? And I'm going to start by saying I don't do boogies. Man, you know, you know what I really <laughs> love about boogies? Yeah? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you why. So I don't prefer boogies because of the atmosphere. Um, it's a party atmosphere. A lot of people who, you know, maybe they don't jump there all that often. A lot of people that don't jump together that often. Mm. A lot of people that uh, maybe partied a little harder than they should have if they were getting on an airplane this morning, but maybe that didn't stop them. And we just had a, a boogie at Spaceland Houston, the Labor Day boogie. And everyone talked about how great that boogie was. And then after that, they would say, because it feels more like a skills camp. Yes. Like, this boogie feels so great because the the organizing is at such a high level, it feels like we're at a skills camp. So to me, it's like, hey, just do a skills camp. If you want to go party, go go do that another weekend. At, I mean, I realize that I'm talking to an audience of, of skydivers who closely connect partying and, and this sport. But that's just not how that's not how I do it. I think that for me, skydiving is so much more enjoyable when I learn a new thing and when I can make that new thing work. And that's what everyone liked so much about this boogie is it's like, hey, this doesn't feel like a bunch of idiots just partying and going skydiving. This feels like a lot of people getting better at skydiving and organizing jumps that are actually working. So uh, that that boogie was awesome. It's been a long time since I've been to a to a proper boogie with the exception of like the American Revolution boogie. But there's almost, you know, there's almost always a record or something going on at that boogie um, or the uh, come and take a boogie at San Marcos. And uh, I I just like the atmosphere of learning and being with people that I'm comfortable sharing the sky with. That uh, I don't I don't really chase the 
the boogie scene? So what? my favorite boogie was the World Freefall Convention. It's a what, dead what thing. What was it like? Dude, I hear a lot, a lot of, a lot of you old fellas talking about it. For me, it was a vacation because at that time of my life, we would be doing a hundred plus jumps a week. We were going crazy. We were doing a lot of skydives. The World Freefall Convention was a two-hour drive from where I lived. In its peak, 6,000, 6,000 registered skydivers were at the event. We're at the boogie. It was like 10 days. A phenomenally good time. I would do maybe 10 skydives during that week, and I would mainly chill and hang out. Uh, TJ Landgren and I had known each other from California. We would hook up every year at the Freefall Convention hangout party with some old buddies of ours. I would see a Luigi Caney, Luis, Luis is what he's known as now, who was best known for flying the smallest canopy ever at a time. Uh, Icarus Team Extreme, we would catch up, we would hang out. A buddy Wyatt Drew, just just all sorts of cool people I would see there. And so it was, for me, a vacation. But I will say today, my absolute favorite and, and the must-go, the must-attend event, whether you're talking Skills Camp, whatever, is the Gravity Lab Film Festival. Yeah, baby! <laughs> I, dude, I really do like the film festival I, a lot. Man, we have so much fun. I, I mean, really, Nick and I uh, really enjoy the build-up to it. The closer it gets, the more we start talking about it. And not just us, man. Every flipping weekend now and almost every day somebody comes up and starts asking me questions about their goals of what they're doing and earlier i said to win the film festival go make your friends laugh and that's my favorite part is the videos that show the most shreddy non-stop awesome flying don't win now jimmy had some awesome flying in his video that won but there was a lot of fun. there was a big story and then there and there too that i thought was great yeah there's a lot of shenanigans it's a lot of fun so it's more about making a fun video than it really is about showing the best flying available. Uh, Tex actually entered a couple years ago with a video that was fucking phenomenal. I think it was called Wolfpack. And it was just nonstop shredding. And he actually didn't place very high. He didn't get nowhere near the number of votes that he, Jimmy and Danny got. Yeah, he, he also wasn't there. He had submitted it. Remotely? Yeah. Okay, I don't remember if he was or wasn't there. I still think he would. I still think Danny and... Um, Danny and uh, Jimmy that year came almost in a tie for first place. Uh, still would have smoked him. Is that? Yeah, this is the the smallest parachute Luigi candy that you were talking about. Yeah, man. What a great Brazilian. V- fellow, a VX-37 man. is what he landed. Dude. I think it's been beat since. Yeah, it has by Ernesto uh, Gaines or Gonzo. Yeah. I can't remember. I don't know how to pronounce the last name. But, uh, man, for me, uh, boogies, I'm not really into. Skills camps, for sure, is what I would still be doing if I was doing a lot more fun jumps. And, really, skills camps is what I do a lot of. Instructor training courses and AFF courses, really a very large skills camp said and done. It's about building and and learning. And, ultimately, the better I can skydive, the more fun I'm going to have. So, for me, skills camps really is where it's at, and you get to know your friends more than anything else. So, I love that. Jimmy Correa says, so uh, that's a no to the Halloween boogie. Man, the Halloween boogie has been a super huge event at San Marcos for many years. It died at the end of Skydive San Marcos. Spaceland San Marcos is bringing it back. And I think it's going to be a good time. Unfortunately for us, the Halloween boogie is the exact same weekend as a film festival. We did not want to schedule it that way. But I have family vacation, I have family obligations, and it was just the way it was going to have to get scheduled. I had no choice. And I'm not saying that boogies aren't for some people, because some, some people, like, skydiving's my job, and being good at skydiving is what I want to do. 
some people, you know, skydiving is just their sport. It's their fun. It's their escape from their regular life. And for them, that involves drinking and partying and going yeah. on some zoo jumps. And if that's what you're into, man, boogie it up. Absolutely. But, uh, if you're wanting to learn at a boogie, you know, I would stick uh, stick pretty close to the organizers and uh, m- maybe uh, just try and get your head right for the, for the next day. For those of you who haven't caught on tonight, this No Plan Jam, one of the big things we're doing, and we didn't think it would take up this much time, is we're addressing questions, comments, and conversations you guys want to have. So if you're just tuning in, if you're just catching up, you have a question, a comment, something you want us to talk about, throw it out there. Let us know. And man, up till now, we're over an hour into the show, an hour and uh, 10 minutes, and that's all we've done so far really is address you guys. So keep bringing it. But um, really, one of our goals tonight was to actually talk a little bit about Sacrifice September. And John Victor says, any speed bumps in Sacrifice September? A lot of hatred, John. A lot of hatred. <laughs> Nick, the <laughs> other day, did not want to talk anything about it. Dude, yeah, that, uh, here, tell, tell me about your day. Like, what's a normal day for you, Ben, this, this Wake up so at 5.15. Okay, 5.15, you're out of bed. Get out of bed, go to the bathroom, put on some clothes. I got biking shorts. I got, like, proper bike shorts, which I thought were stupid. Do you have them with, like, the seat pad in the Fuck middle? Fuck yes, I do, man. So first of all, like riding in anything for that long, it gets annoying when it's flapping around. Yeah, so I was the, like, but I those the, bibs are built for it. Yeah. yeah, I need the tights. And then I'm like, well, if I'm in the tights, I might as well get the butt cushion. And honestly, 45-minute rides is what I'm doing now. Um, I'm not even – so I, I went from 10-mile rides. Well, that was my goal at the beginning of the month to go to 15-mile rides. And now I'm like, I can crush 15-mile ride in less than 45 minutes, no problem. So now I just go for 45 minutes, and then I do my cool down after that. It's so like this morning I did 19, I think, miles. I say I think because my app failed halfway through. I had to restart it, and I lost probably a mile worth of time just based off the averages I was running. Um, so I wake up, get stretched out, get on the bike. St- oh, I chug a glass of water. I get like 32 ounces of water in me before I even get started. Get on that bike, and I push as hard as I can. Um, American Heart Association, my doctor, both have told me what my max heart rate should be. And that's 175 beats per second or per minute. Woohoo! I be damn near hummingbird style, baby. I'm a hummingbird, um, and I push it between 160 to 175 a majority of the time. I push as hard as I can. Your your watch is giving you this information. Yeah, I got my watch on, uh, keeping my heartbeat constantly monitoring it. If I see it go below 160, I immediately push as hard as I can to get to 175 again. Once I get it there, I cruise there, try to keep it there for a while. At some point, go. I need to back off a little bit. Oh, it's starting again in the 160s. I'm still okay. It's getting below 165. I need to focus. It's low 160s. Pump it back up. Um, for the most part, that's been what's going on. Um, I told you last Saturday I came home and my left knee was severely swollen. My right knee w- has been jacked up through the whole process. My right knee's been bothering me. I could barely walk on my left knee Saturday night. Absolutely destroyed me. Um, so I actually Sunday and Monday did ramp back to 10-mile rides. Uh, easy rides, turn the resistance down. I just had to have my knee recover. I'm like, I, I can't quit. I can't not do what I said I was going to do, but I can't go crazy. I, I got to recover. But after that, get in the shower, pack my bags, get to the drop zone. Um, you know I get there early, but I don't know if you realize I actually get there at 730 in the morning because I don't yeah, see I, I right. see your car pull up or okay. pull down, the, down 521 most days. That's right, yeah, because I do see you regularly as well. And I go up to my desk, and uh, people don't realize this, but I'm at the drop zone at 7.30 in the morning because it's 30 minutes of the drop zone that nobody bothers me. And I love <laughs> that you can ask me questions, but I need 30 minutes to do my email. I need 30 minutes to address business, right? You were about to laugh. Oh, just I, I love 
showing up early for the same reason. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you a story in a little bit about someone totally fucking ruining my workout. Yeah. You and I, it's great because in the morning, you and I both have a good read of each other. And there's times in the morning that we don't, like, we, we, we'll still greet each other. Mr. Marvin, Mr. Lott, hello, whatever. But we can tell when we're both ready to engage. And it's not always at the same time. Now, I'm also done with my workout sooner than you because I think I start earlier than you. Um, dude, I'm on that bike usually by 520, 525 at the latest because my warm-up is really me on the bike pedaling for two to five minutes without anything. I don't turn on my watch. I don't turn on my app. I just get on the bike and I loosen up. Just start getting fluid, just slow pedal, no resistance, start moving around. So I'm done with my workout at 6.15 in the morning at the latest, at the absolute latest. Um, once I'm done with that, I go. I've been doing, man, I, so I've completely, in a good way, broken my goals this week, this month. 16-hour fast every day guaranteed, so I don't eat except for noon to 8, except for twice a week, a 20-hour fast, and once a week, a 24-hour fast. I think my worst week this month has been a three 20-hour fast week. Uh, so I did three 20s, 124. One, the second week I did five 20s, 124. So I actually next year, um, I do plan on doing Sacrifice September again next year with you. Um, I plan on doing 20-hour fast every day. That is going to be my goal. You live it as a lifestyle. And I mean this respectfully. But fuck, if you can do this every day of your life all the time, why can't I do it for a month? Why can't I? Um, working out for me is difficult. It's a challenge. You know how much I hate it. Now that we're towards the end of the month, I am next year probably going to do this. Uh, not the same thing with a bike because I'm not done with this bike thing. I'm going to be on this bike five days a week. It's just an investment I'm making in my life to be healthier. But I'm going to add 100 push-ups every day. So um, I actually started doing some push-ups. I'm not back up to 100. I used to be able to do 100 in a day. I can't quite yet. Um, and keto the entire month, which keto and my diet, um, and keto and a good diet, there it's low carbs. I On a couple of days, I've pushed the max level of carbs I'm allowed to have. I've never exceeded it. Um, what, what is that number for you? 50 grams is what, yeah, 50 grams is a max. My goal is less than 20 grams of carb, period. I just don't want, uh, dude, Top, you know how to turn on that thing, right? The uh, charger thingy. I see a power button. No, no, no. To the right of it is a, no, no, no. Uh, to the right of the face, there's a button on the bottom that's glowing. The button on top is not glowing. Mm-hmm. Push the top button and hold it for a second and then let go of it. And that turns on the battery pack. Good call. Yeah, man. I, I, I'm never in this position, so I can't normally see it. Um, and the one thing I don't know if I discussed is at the end of the month, I'm going to do a 100-mile ride. Mm-hmm. So um, I actually have done a couple of days of exploration of pushing the 20-mile ride. And what would it take? Because I cannot push the 160 to 175 heart rate. I can't do that and do a 100-mile a ride. I just yeah, can't. you got to slow it down. Different, different pace for a different, different duration, right? So I've been suit Like the first week, I was kind of scared. Not kind of. I was like, what did I actually get myself into? Are, are you thinking about doing the 100 miles on an on a, a, a outside bike? Nope. Okay. On the now, I think the spin bike is going to be harder than the outside. Yeah, that's bike. what I was going to say. Is if you're if you're going to do it outside, you're going to be on a vacation for that. Yeah, and that's the reason I don't want to. Like John Cheeseman tried to talk me into doing outside. You get other support, you get to see. I'm like, no, this is about self focus, self discipline, and self motivation. So doing it by myself with no like, you have no clue if I've done any ride this week. You have no evidence of it at all, do you? No, I wouldn't know. No, but you know me well enough that I, this is a, this ain't about nobody but me. 
And that 100-mile ride is about nobody but me. So I am going to sit there. My goal is to not get off the bike, period. The only excuse and the only reason I will allow myself to get off that bike during that ride is if I suddenly got to take a dookie. If the dookies hit hard, I'll get off and go. <laughs> have you have you heard me use the phrase disaster pants? <laughs> yes, I have. Dude, I have almost made disaster pants a couple of times this month. <laughs> so what's your what's your month been, man? That's the, oh, no sobriety, no coffee. What do you mean no sobriety? <laughs> no sobriety. I've been drunk all month. I've been drunk. Uh, I've been completely sober. No coffee. We'll talk about what I miss. And yeah, Billy, that padded spandex, baby. Um, so what's your wh- where is you at? So my alarm goes off at five twenty. And I have been. Uh, we wake up together. So far, Aww. successful in not snoozing my alarm clock all month, which was uh, another another goal. Because man, it feels yes. so good to hit snooze. Are you a, you're a snoozer. I mean, I usually I, I usually set my alarm clock with the plan of I get a I get a snooze at once and I'm still going to be on time. Yeah, ditto. But um, I've snoozed once this month. <clears throat> once the the reality of it when when awake me like me right now. When you talk about the snooze button, it's like, I know for sure that that eight minutes or nine minutes or whatever it is, isn't going to make me feel any better, that I'm going to feel up. I'm going to feel worse when I actually get up. If I, if I hit that button, when you're asleep and you're in bed and the alarm goes off, nothing feels better than, than hitting the snooze button and going back to bed for those, those few minutes. But I know conscious me knows, Hey, yeah, that doesn't work. It doesn't help anybody. So that was another, another challenge I added to the month of, okay, I'm not going to, I'm not going to snooze my alarm clock. I've been successful so far. And, uh, I share my bed with a tiny little Asian lady who gets up, uh, quite a bit later than me. So I'm trying to be respectful of her and not continue to wake her with my, with my snoozing alarm clock. Right. So I get up, I do my bathroom thing, I get dressed and, uh, <laughs> so I guess I'll, I'll, the the workout I've been doing with the weight vest, the weight vest gets really chafy. Like as I as I move, it, like the I didn't think of that. Yeah, it, as it bounces on my chest, it's sandpapering my chest. So it didn't really get bad until like the first week. But since then, I've woken up and bandaged my chest as I get ready in the morning. So that uh, you know what tegaderm bandages? What what, what? tegaderm bandage? No. It's it's basically like uh, imagine sticky saran wrap. Is, is is what it looks like. So it's just a, <laughs> okay. a clear a clear layer. So I get up, I put my bandage on, I get dressed, I, I uh coffee. I miss my coffee so badly. Oh right? my god. And so to replace my coffee ritual, I have this uh zero sugar, zero calorie, zero caffeine, zero excitement tea. Cock-tease tea. <laughs> yeah, it's cocktease tea for sure. <laughs> It's this. It's Zevia tea, actually. That's they have two different flavors that are caffeine free. There's one that's like a. Is that passion. that can I've seen laying around? Yeah. Okay. It's got the black rim that says caffeine free slash fun free at the top. <laughs> and so that's that's just like my morning rituals. I'll still grab a can of that, put it in the car, and I open it at the same point that I would open my can of coffee if I were drinking it. It's just a psychological thing of like, okay, I'm, I've replaced it. I'm like the smoker with a different oral fixation, right? So it's your vape pen. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly exactly it. So then uh, I'm leaving the house just a few minutes before six o'clock. I drive down to Spaceland. Uh, when I hit highway or the the Beltway Beltway Eight, that's when I open my. Uh, I'll, I'll listen to a, a book on the way down. I've been listening to "Can't Hurt Me" by David Goggins. You know who David Goggins is, Stephen right? Stephen told you to read this. Yeah, book. he he, he, just he recommended it, to me it. Too. But um, it's a really good book, and he talks a lot about a lot of the 
fucked up shit he's done in his life, both things that have happened to him as a child and then a lot of exercise that he's taken on electively, military, Navy SEAL, Ranger School, all this all this crazy stuff that he's put himself through. So it gives me a lot of good things to think about of like, hey, listen to this person who's definitely put themselves through worse than what I'm putting myself through. And then, so I listen to that, I plant some some seeds in my head, and then once I crack open my coffee, go into the Beltway, I start putting on music. I'll put on, like, hip-hop radio on Pandora or a dubstep station. I don't listen to Whitney Houston, it doesn't get me in the right mood. But I'll listen to, like, Back in Black radio as a a Pandora station. I have something something that's going to get me moving a little bit. And then also about seven or eight days into uh, the workout, my hands started falling apart on the pull-up bar. I started getting blisters from the just the tension of the pull-ups. And I don't know if you've gotten blisters on your hands while doing pull-ups, but the feeling <laughs> the feeling of it is it feels like there's a zipper on your skin and that someone's unzipping the zipper. It's like this super creepy feeling. And the, the moment that I first had that feeling, I went, fuck. Like, I can't... If my hands fully come apart and I have blisters all over my hands, yeah. like I'm not going to be able to do this for the rest of the month. So I hopped off the pull-up bar, ran inside, grabbed a bunch of... I still have a lot of tape in my locker from when I flipped the tire because I had to tape my hands then also. Taped my hands up, grabbed an old pair of skydiving gloves, and then and then kept going. So And I've taped my hands since because I've started to develop blisters in, in different places in my hands. So now part of my driving down ritual is I start taping my hands <laughs> as I'm driving because it takes like seven or eight minutes. And so I'm just trying to make a few efficient use of my drive and not get to the drop zone and have to have to do it there. So I'm taping my hands... Yada yada, I get to the drop zone, go in, open up the hangar. Um, I'll usually put, you know, whatever my, my ZV is and drinks, whatever for the day. I'll put that stuff away. Um, grab my running shoes, grab the weight vest, grab. Uh, I've been filming some stuff with my with my GoPro, so I'll grab my camera. I take it all outside, and uh, I'll do a little warm up, like I'll do some lunges, some squats, some push ups, some pull ups without the without the vest on, and then I put uh, put the vest on. Um, there's a couple different apps that I've been using to, to track my time and to pace my rounds. And then I start my timer and, uh, Off you go. <laughs> fucking go. And my times starting out were around like 44, 45 minutes. And, uh, the best time I've had so far was actually yesterday. And I think, uh, let me pull it up cause I, I took a screenshot when I finished but it was really you remember the goal that i set when i first started doing this this murph nonsense 35 was 35 minutes without the vest right yeah and my best time without the vest was like 29 minutes and 57 seconds or something like that so i've done it with with the vest every every day this month with with a 20 pound weight vest on but my time the other day was 36 45 with the, vest. with the vest nice and i'm not i'm not for sure but i might so i have it partitioned to where i do the mile run and then i do 10 sets of 20 push-ups 30 squats so my shoulders can rest after the push-ups and then my 10 pull-ups and then i have a timer set that i do that um every two minutes so i have to complete those those rounds every two minutes so the faster i complete them the more rest i have before the next ding in my headphones that tells me to start the next round does that make sense yeah yeah and uh so the way that i've gotten to be most efficient at it is i set that timer up and then i try and lap the timer i try and take a little bit less rest and start before my start bell 
And so maybe I gain 10 seconds per round by taking mm-hmm. less rest. And then I try and get one round ahead of of when it says. So when, by the time it's giving me the ding to start the ninth round, I'm actually starting the 10th round. Yeah, yeah. So now I've got a full rest period built up. And I'm just thinking of that's that's me getting ahead on the second run, right? Yeah. And so my worst day was the day before yesterday when it was raining so hard. That's the day you didn't want to talk to anybody. <laughs> that that day really sucked. I bet. Um, just just being out there and wet, and I didn't like. I have since like the third day, I've done it without a shirt underneath the vest because my skin just breathes so much better, and I feel like ten degrees cooler, and I'm I don't have the sticky wet shirt all over me as a, as I'm moving. So I gave up the shirt, but w- since it was raining, I still wore the shirt under the vest and then a hoodie over the vest. And I was just soaked, and my shoes were filled with water, and I was just fucking miserable. So I had the worst time that I had had all month, uh, day before yesterday. So I was like, okay, it's time to fucking man up. Like I'm gonna get, like I'm gonna get 35 minutes today, is what I thought when I started out. And so the a mile run with the vest has been taking me like between 9:30 and 9:45 is pretty normal. And so I pushed the run a little bit, and I came in right at right at uh, it was 8:58 my first mile, and I was like, fuck yeah, I'm ahead. And I didn't take any any rest at all. I literally ran in from the first mile and started started my push-ups and just kept going, kept going, kept going. And I was ahead of my uh, my timer. I had gotten ahead of it to the point where I was I had already saved up a full rest period, so I was already two full minutes ahead. And uh, <laughs> someone who I'm not going to name, and I mean this person, I was not doing anything wrong in their eyes. I'm sure comes. I, I work out underneath the deck where the where the deli is because that's where the pull up bar is, and the less I have to travel between where I'm doing squats, push ups, and pull ups, the less time I'm spending. Right? Sure. So my goal is to not be walking between all these places. It's all happening in the same little spot. And this person comes out, and dude, I'm huffing and puffing. Like honest to God, this is the hardest I've pushed myself in a workout in in definitely more than five years, maybe ten years since I can remember being this deep in that dark hole that you have to find yourself in if you're really pushing your way through a workout of like super disconnected from from the mm-hmm. world and I'm keeping track of how many squats I've done, how many push-ups I've done, how many pull-ups I've done, what my stopwatch says uh-huh. and this person walks in the middle of my of my workout and it was like enough of a distraction to just see them and I'm like Ugh, okay and then this person jumps up and starts hanging from my pull-up bar that I'm about to use and so so I keep track of my rounds in two ways. One, I have my uh, my little timer that's going in my ears. And secondary, I have, do you know where the where the drink cooler yeah. rests out underneath the deck? Yeah. If you look down at that deck, you're going to see some bricks that it sits on top of. And if you look down at those bricks, you're going to notice that there are 10 bricks exactly that sit in f- between the leg of the, <laughs> of the drink cooler and the concrete. <laughs> yeah. And there's a fork that sits out there. And the last thing I do at the end of every round is I set that fork on top of whatever brick I've just completed. So if it's yeah. I've just completed one round, it's on the first brick. Second round, yeah. second brick, right? So Smart. as this person showed up, as I dropped off the pull-up bar, I don't think I moved my fork to, to move it to the next round. This, and then as I looked around at this person and was fully fucking hating them for being there... Then I looked back over and was like, shit, did I move the fork? And I couldn't go look at my timer because I was already ahead of it, I thought. And so I didn't know if it was going to be telling me that I was on working on round number seven or if I had just finished number seven. Yeah. And it's like I'm going at a pace where I have seven seconds of rest between finishing the pull-ups and, and starting the push-ups again. So it's not like I have time to sit there and fucking go through it and try and figure it out. But I'm pretty sure 
I'm pretty sure I ended up doing an 11th set. I rem- so this is all coming together because the other day you're like, I don't know if I did too many. Yeah, it might have been might have been that same day. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> yeah, and then this person like walked again to come out in front of my pull up bar again, and I said, "Hey, can you please go somewhere else?" And I'm pretty sure I said it a lot ruder way than I just said it just now. But man, I didn't understand. Like, if someone was working out, like I was obviously really pushing myself, and if yeah. someone was doing that, whatever that was, if they were someone was doing anything to that level, God, I would not be in that person's way. Have some fucking manners, Jesus. But uh, yeah, that fucking ruined my workout, ruined my mind frame, and then I I finished it at thirty thirty six whatever whatever time I said, and it takes me about a minute and forty seconds to do a round of these push ups, pull ups, and and uh, squats. And I'm pretty sure I had done the math to where I was going to come in at thirty five minutes, and I thought that I stayed on pace with it. But man, when I the the interval time or my the run tracker tells me how far I've gone, and it's still tracking my movement as I go through the squats, push ups, and pull ups. So I usually get like it, it tells me that I've completed two miles when I still have like between a quarter and a half mile of the run left of the second run. Does that make sense? Yes. Because it track track my movements. It's telling me I'm at two miles when I've still got between a quarter and a half mile to go. And so it told me, it says, current distance, two miles. Current time, 35 minutes and 13 seconds or some shit. And I just, I fucking screamed out loud. Like, just had an emotional fucking breakdown. What, like, what did you scream? Like, just, ah! Yeah, I, you can ask Steph, because I looked up and saw her crossing the runway <laughs> right after this happened. And was like, oh, fuck, well, she's going to think that I'm having some sort of crazy morning. And I was, man. It was, it was... I was digging real deep to to be where I was and yeah. to and to and to keep going, like so deep that I'm yelling shit at myself of like <laughs> like shit that I'm hearing David Goggins say in this book and like asking dude like what are you made of like what part of you hurts so bad that you can't keep going right now like what promises have you, have you made to whoever living or dead that you're gonna push yourself in these moments what would you give to come back here and be able to push harder right now instead of fucking quitting I'm thinking all of this shit I'm digging everywhere I can think to keep going. Yeah. And then my timer runs out and I don't get there. <laughs> and so I lost my shit a little bit and uh, still ended up finishing with my best time on the, on the month. But I just felt like I, had, uh, I felt like I had done better than what the time said. And so I, I don't know if I did that 11th round or not. And I'll never know. But I would much rather not do it or not, not make the time and have only done nine rounds than to be like, man, did I get that 10th round in? Yeah. And then made this this goal. It's like it's the twentieth. I've got ten more days. I'll take four more days to kind of work at a more recovery pace, right? Where I'm yeah. not really pushing myself, and I'll have one good try before I go to Dallas. And then uh, I'll still be doing the workout in Dallas, but it's probably going to be different. So those those might be similar pace days, especially with how long those days are going to be with the the live bigs and with Heath and Paula's wedding. And then um, maybe I'll have a second like really good hard hard try at it. But, uh, yeah, long story short, if you see someone exercising, man, you do not know how difficult that person or how much of a struggle that person might be engaged in at the moment. And, man, I have always hated the spectator. This is a person standing on the sideline who says a remark of, like, especially if it's facetious, if it's, like, genuinely not supportive. If you're making fun of someone who's taking the time and making the effort to better themselves and you're the lazy piece of shit standing on the sideline with nothing but like halfway witty, witty remarks to make to make yourself feel better about whatever you're lacking that you didn't do this today. God, don't be that person. 
Man, I this morning I was out early and I didn't have a bunch of email to catch up on. And so I wanted to sit out on the back deck or the back patio and just enjoy the sky because we had some blue sky for a little while. And when I'm out there and you're working out, I don't even want to look at you. Yeah, and that's and I think that I present that attitude pretty openly of like, hey, I'm unapproachable on purpose. I'm avoiding I'm eye focused. contact you on with with you on purpose. Yeah. Like, hey, I'm re- yeah, I'm focused. I'm super engaged in what I'm doing. This is really important to me. This is why I showed up. At, I get there at six thirty now. It's like I'm here an hour and a half before anyone else is supposed to be here. You think I fucking do this to have you be in my way? You fucking idiot. Get out of the way. I came here because you're not here. Yeah, right exactly. Now. Exactly. And it's like, man, yeah. just just have some consideration for other people and what they're doing, especially if they're working hard, man, if they're putting themselves someplace where they're gonna struggle. Yeah. God, if you can't be supportive, at least get out of the fucking way. I'm happy to hear some of what you're doing because I have a hard time comparing what I'm doing to what you're doing. But I also don't have the physical conditioning you do. Yeah. So uh, so hold on. That, that makes me want to talk about some other stuff because I, I think about you in the in the morning. Oh. Of like, so sometimes it's positive. Of like, man, this is super cool that whatever whatever we're doing has inspired a close friend of mine to find exercise, and that like we had the conversation just you know. Like, I'm saying, yeah, I don't know what I'm going to eat to fucking blow it out when this is all over. And you're like, man, I'm going to keep going. Like, I'm going to keep being healthy. And it's like, dude, that's super cool. Like, that makes me really happy. And then days like a couple of days ago when it's raining like it's the end of the world. And And I feel like shit. And I'm fucking falling apart. Like, dude, I I found myself on the edge of, like, genuine emotional breakdown a couple of times. Which is, like, when it's not happening, I'm super happy that I'm able to push myself to that place. Of, like, man, I can work so hard that as an adult man I can make myself cry. I think that that's cool. (laughs) But, But when it's happening, it's fucking miserable. It's not cool when it's happening. And I'll think about you sitting inside in the AC in front of your big screen TV. I'm like this motherfucker, yeah. man. So number one, the TV's but, not on, th- and that's fine. But what I, I'm just I'm telling you that sometimes when yeah. motivation runs out, yeah. hate is the next fuel that that rolls in. And sometimes thinking about, I mean, it's it's always easier in in life in general, right? To to think to to justify why something is harder for you than it is for somebody else. Yeah, I mean, especially being around skydivers, how good are skydivers at making excuses about? why it's harder for them or why it's not their fault, right? Yeah. That's like part of being a skydiver. It's like rule number one. And so sometimes I think of that. Yeah. Is, you have something to say? No, I just, I'm just, I'm keeping up. So some, sometimes I think of that. Yeah. Sometimes I think of, of shit like what David Goggins says. Sometimes I think about this, this guy, Michael Murphy, who died, who is the, the, is the creator of this workout. Sometimes I think about my brother. Sometimes I think about, you know, my best friend who owns the gym and is a, is a big reason why I am you know somewhat versed in exercise i'll think about about my my dad who, who's passed for anyone who doesn't know it and like what i would you know what if what if he was watching like what what would i do to impress him right now and i imagine like you know my other friends who are who you know chase my good friend who, who's also running what if chase is sitting here yelling at me to keep going and my brother's on the other side and dead navy seal and my dead dad are yelling at me from behind to keep going i think of all this shit to keep yeah. going and uh, sometimes that works, and sometimes <laughs> my heart rate hits 200, and I fucking fall apart. But, uh, but man, it's, uh, it's, it's both miserable and, and enjoyable. I hope it makes you feel better. The first part will not. So one of the reasons I chose to do a spin bike instead of a regular bike is because, <coughs> A, I need it for life in general. Like, I need to be doing this fitness thing for life in general. 
And so I thought if I ever need to ride and it's raining like in the winter, I need something inside to be able to do. So the choice of the spin bike was partially in part because I knew there could be a chance of rain. So that was not meant to make you feel better. No, that, that's but, fine. But there, there's a really like definitive part in this in this David Goggins book where he says, like, yeah, normal people, when they open the door to go outside and the weather's bad, they go back inside because yeah. it's not good to be outside and exercising in this crazy weather. Yeah. And he said, I don't know what phrase he used, whether he says crazy motherfuckers. He uses the word motherfucker a lot, which I'm yeah. super into. He's like, these people will go in... They'll, yeah, they'll close the door too and they'll put on some different clothes and then they go back out and do it anyway. So after hearing him say that part in the book, I was actually really excited for this day to happen of like, yeah, there's going to be some terrible fucking weather and some crazy thunderstorm that that you shouldn't be outside in and I'm going to go running anyway. And you feel like a champion. So the part that I liked about your story that made me feel a little bit better about myself is I have a two-minute cycle, a four-minute cycle. And that's every five minutes. So at two minutes, I hit a burst, and I actually look for certain cadence, pace, uh, intensities, resistances. Yeah, that's the nerd in you coming out. Yeah. And the four Strategize minutes, the shit out of it. Oh, dude, for sure. And the big part is, is like, what's it take for me to keep my heart rate up? What's it take for me to keep pushing? What's it take for me to be drenched in sweat at the end of this workout? Because if I'm not soaked in sweat at the end of this workout, I didn't work out. I just can't think that I'm sitting here riding a fucking spin bike inside my house while you're out there doing Murphs, which is way harder. And so I've pushed and over time it like early on, dude, with the with the intervals I figured out, I kept my heartbeat up with zero issues, zero issues. Now it's getting much harder to keep my heart rate up. I'm very quickly acclimating to working out. So what do I do? Say, fuck it. Let me get ahead of my cycle is exactly what you said. So now I know at this minute mark, I'm going to be at this mile at this minute mark. I'm going to be at this mile. I keep the mileage covered. But every now and then I can peek at it. I just want I want to know my time because it keeps me a pace mileage. I don't want to know. But every now and then, I need to look at it to see where my rhythm is for the day. And um, I started pushing harder, harder, and harder. And there's been a couple different days, but one day in particular, dude, I, I think I told you about it. Then I sat there and said, it was the four-minute mark. It was actually the nine, so it was the four-minute mark in the second set. And I said, I'm going to push as long as I can. I am going to, like, fuck this push for 60 seconds because for that 60 seconds, there's a, a, a rising, like it starts hard. And by the end of the 60 seconds, I can't breathe. So I come back down and go, <gasps> and I, I'm just, I'm heaving. I can't talk to you. I can't breathe. I'm like, how long can I push that for? That was my goal. And I pushed and my legs, and I don't know the time, didn't track the time. My legs started cramping. My legs started cramping. I'm like, okay, that's it. And very quickly, I said, no. And Goggins was actually my inspiration because, you know, Goggins yeah, story. Most yeah, most people quit at 40%. Yeah, exactly. And that's exactly what I'm thinking. And like, fuck it, dude. This is cramps. This is what my body's telling me I can't do. Or my mind is telling me I can't do. I can do more than this. And I pushed for another, I think, two or three minutes through those cramps. And by the end of it, I rode through the cramps hard enough. And I'm like, I would have to position the way my calves were. I'd have to position where my body was just to keep my cramps from like destroying. Like I have to stop if I don't keep doing this. There's times I'm up off the fucking seat, fucking pedaling, standing, just pushing as hard as I fucking can to get through those cramps, dude. And I mean, edge of never made it to crying, but that edge of crying. So if it makes you feel any better, I am beating the fuck out of myself. And man, I think that that's super cool. Though, I man. love it though, because not in the snooze button, right? Dude, I won. The first thing I did this morning is I won the snooze button challenge, right? Then get on the bike. The first second challenge, I got on the bike. And then what's the first thing I think when I get on the bike? I want to take it easy today. 
Immediate. It is always my every fucking day. My first thought when I get on there is I'm going to take it easy. Some days it lasts for 30 seconds to two minutes. And my and it's always during my warm up. And some days it's immediate like, fuck you. Let's go. But no matter what, within five minutes, I won that battle. And it, then it turned into 10 miles. I won that battle. 15 miles, I won that battle. Now I'm pushing 17 to 20 miles every day. It's just it's a 45-minute guarantee. And to know I've won that, to not eat till 4 o'clock in the afternoon. But how, how good is all that shit, though? Like, Dude, I mean, not, not to, champion. To, to quote your shirt, but uh, <laughs> how, how good is it pushing through that shit? Because it's like you, you could justify, like you could do your 10-mile your ride and quit and say like, hey, that's what I signed up for. Yeah. I could, you, could, you could even make a really dramatic statement, to even if it's to no one about, but yourself, when you're done with that 10-mile ride and be like, oh, man, that was so hard. I'm glad that that's done. And go along with your day, right? But I think that the most admirable part is like, you're like, hey, I'm used to this. This isn't challenging me like it was, so let me find that line of, of challenging and let me push myself back to how difficult it was at the beginning of the month. Or maybe, maybe you're finding a way to make it even harder than that. So I think that that's the, a, it, a very respectable way to go about the month. It's rewarding, dude, and it's great because my goal, I very quickly realized my goal was not good enough, and I wanted to push harder. And the first week, I actually told you how much easier my goal was, and you said something like, well, what?" I forget what you said, but like, well, so what are you going to do? And I immediately told you, like, well, I'm raising the standard. And you're like, yeah. I mean, I, I saw how happy you were to hear that. And... The things, so we're going to bleed this into the things we're looking forward to the most. And one of the things is, is I'll share a little information about my private life. And, and the part I'll share is not that big of a deal. Last year's physical with my doctor, my blood uh, sugar was a little bit high. My cholesterol was a little bit high. Now I say a little bit high. You have your good zone range and then you have your warning range. I was one point above good zone at the very, very bottom of warning range. But that's where they start saying, hey, your check engine light's flashing. So last year I made some small changes, and this year the, my, lab, my labs came back the same. And that was like, I'm like, no, I need to do 30 minutes minimum of cardio a day. I need to do this. I need to do that five days a week. I need to eat this way. I need, all those changes you need to make as a human being. And before this month started, I was determined to make those changes and started making a lot of them. But now, after this month, my goal is five days a week. Mm. And I'm actually wrong. My goal was five days a week to do 30 minutes of cardio every day. I'm going, and, and I don't know how much spin classes you've done. A lot of my rides right now are just pure rides on a spin bike using spin class techniques. But I'm going to go just straight back to spin classes. I've got one of the bikes that comes with, you know, I paid for the, the subscription for the year. I get on demand and live spin classes. And they're, they're, they're fucking ass. What's the brand of this bike? Uh, this one's an Echelon. So Echelon. it's like a Peloton. Yeah. Um, not quite as nice, but the, the spin classes are the same quality, same level. Um, dude, I will be doing 45-minute spin classes five days a week, just fucking getting my ass whooped every day. And you know how easy that's going to be after this month? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So I love how this month has inspired me for the lifestyle I want to live. Before this month came up, I was weighing in between 172 and 175. And my goal is to weigh in at 160. And when I say 160, I've said for a while, 158 to 162. 160 is that middle range. I'm going to be happy. And the closer I get to it, the more I think, man, if I weigh 161, I'm going to be upset. I want to be 157 to 160. I want to stay in the high 150s. That is, to me, a smart goal. 
man, at the end of this month, I'm going to continue eating overall healthy. I am going to allow myself reward days where this month gets no reward days. This month is go fuck yourself, DJ. You must earn what you're doing. Um, next, uh, but next month or start next month, I'll get those reward days every couple weeks, every however often. We'll go back to the speakeasy at some point. We'll go have our drink. We'll go do whatever. But, See, my, but, but the good thing about living like a fit lifestyle and eating healthy is it's like, man, I don't have to worry when I have a fuck off day. No. Like it's like, hey, I, I earned this day all week. And I stuck to my regimen all 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 week. Yeah. And it's like, oh, I'm I'm not really worried about what this box of donuts is gonna do. If you make eating a box of donuts every day for no reason you're normal, yeah, you're gonna have some fucking you're gonna have yeah. some problems. But if it's like, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna eat consciously every day. I'm gonna learn about food, <clears throat> learn what uh, about what belongs in my body. I'm gonna push myself to to have this exercise routine. I'm gonna push myself to to, you know, what whatever goals you had for the week that are, you know, maybe it's not even related to 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 health or diet and exercise but it's like oh i decided i decided this week that i'm going to get this much footage laid down in this project or whatever it is that you do for for work that it's like it's kind of part of the reward of like man i did everything i said i was going to do and now i'm gonna blow it the fuck out and i think that if you if you do it that way i don't think it's super detrimental to your health you could even argue that it's good to throw a wrench in the in the gears sometimes and shock your system but if you're shocking your system with donuts every day, yeah, you're probably not getting that benefit, buddy. Dude, as much as I, I followed my diet plan for the month, I've done a good job of it. This past Sunday, Monday was Val's birthday. She had to work like till eight or nine at night. So we celebrated Sunday and Sunday I picked the fuck out. I didn't eat anything outside of what I was allowed to eat. I followed all my rules, but I ate as much as I wanted to. I, like All month long, I've been super dedicated to how much I eat as well. But there's been no rule about that. That's just been like I need to live healthy. Sunday, I pigged the fuck out. I weighed in well over 170, which I haven't done most of the month. I've lost seven pounds this month. So That's my, awesome. How's that feel? Dude, it's, it's a great start. I feel good. I feel healthy. And I don't feel healthier because I've lost the weight. I feel healthy because emotionally I've earned the weight loss. And I think you understand what I mean because to, to, to you, it's more about the emotional journey, I think, than the physical reward. It's more about that, like, I can do these things. So it feels phenomenal. So I want to end the month by pushing into the 170, uh, to that, that 170 range. So the end of this month, I'm still doing the workouts. I'm still eating healthy. I'm still eating smart. Um, simple carbs are out of my diet. Not completely, but for the most part. I'm going to have a cheeseburger sometimes, motherfucker. You got to. But back to it, man. I put on a lot of weight Sunday and immediately was back. Like, I didn't change my regimen at all. Got, when I went back straight to my regimen, doing what I was doing, man, in two days, I was back down to the weight I, I started at. I was like, this is such a blessing to know that I could fuck off for a day and come back and just kick it. Now, I will say, the day after I picked out, I said, mm, I'm doing a 24-hour four. This is my 24-hour fast. Because I picked out this day, I'm doing my 24-hour immediately thereafter. You know, I, I started choosing when I did my 24-hour fast. I've actually done almost all my heavy fast at the beginning of the week. And it's because get it over with get it like it's like working out man you know i didn't know if i was gonna work out morning or nights but you and billy whitaker really preach and promote and so do so many people and how how well does it work to work out in the morning right dude i would not do it at night it's so easy to not make the excuse in the morning it's so easy to make the excuse at night now i do want to throw shout out to any of our friends i i promise you i'm not gonna remember any of you so i'll mention the one name for sure i know mitch hansen is actually dedicated to run 100 miles this month. 
He's cut out caffeine. He has not done the full challenge with us, but he has upped his challenge, and he is pushing hard for his month. So anybody out there like Mitch Hansen, all of you guys are doing it for yourself. Everybody I've talked to has their own personal motivation. And I love the fact that in this show, you said you influenced me with my health and my fitness. And absolutely you have, Nick. You have tremendously through Jeremy Foster on the show, through your example in life, through what we've done together with Sacrifice September. So many reasons. But to know other people, Joel, Joel Brooks is a healthier person because of this show. He actually now does different things with his lifestyle because of what we've done. And to know that we could help people become more self-aware of their lifestyle, dude. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Mitch. Thank you for everybody for sharing those stories with me. Because straight up, it has been so motivating for me in the morning to wake up and do what I do. To know Mitch is out there running his runs. To know Nick is out there squatting his ass off. To know everybody's doing what they're doing. It's such an inspiration. See this picture of Joel? Yeah, How dude. Fucking great he is looks that? so good. And, and that's that's in March, so And he was inspired by our dumbasses. I mean, that's nuts, dude. I absolutely love it, man. Loving it, those tiny shorts. Dude, it, it's keep that good. up, Joel. It's good, man. He's a good dude. He's he's a hard working fella. He is moving to Colorado soon, so we'll miss seeing him around. He's been good to have around. And, and thank you guys for, for being around with us. Man, Sacrifice September has been phenomenal. I want to end the Sacrifice September conversation with a very easy couple thoughts. <clears throat> we both already know the first answer. What do you miss the most? What can you? What what, what is the first thing you're going to enjoy? Uh, definitely coffee, that's, dude. Uh, that's what I want more than anything else. Man, people con- know I'm fasting a lot, and people will walk by with me. Food goes. Oh, I'm sorry, you're probably fasting. I'm like, dude, I, you can walk by me with food all day long, unless I'm doing like a three plus day fast. It doesn't bother me. I'm doing a 24 hour fast. You can, I, I don't fucking care. You could, I will actually, at one point, Ivy had Reese's peanut butter cups, which I love to death. I'm not eating sugar and candy in general. So I'm like, Ivy, will you please eat this right now? <laughs> she took a bite off. I grabbed it, sniffed, and gave it back. Like, it smells so good. But how good is that sniff sometimes, right? Oh, it smells so good. People make fun of me that, like, when there are fresh donuts in the office, sometimes I'll just go and just get the biggest yes. whiff of those donuts that I can. <laughs> it's like, oh, fuck, that smells good. But, coffee i smell somebody's coffee in the morning and i want to punch a motherfucker yeah i I find myself craving a different sort of coffee than what i usually drink yeah i want some like i want something that's like creamy with milk in it maybe Mm. a tiny bit sweet and warm and just like swirling froth on the top but but the coffee i drink is like cold and black right so it's it's what what i will probably end up drinking is different than what i've been craving yeah but man like thinking about the smell of hot coffee right now i actually will change my coffee habits so i cut out refined sugar in my life a while back i think you remember that Mm -hmm. for a couple years ago and one of the things actually right when we really started the podcast one of the things i love is creamer in my coffee and i would put hazelnut creamer in my coffee and i didn't realize until after i cut out refined sugar for a while that coffee made hazelnut creamer is dominantly fucking sugared. Yeah. That's why I enjoyed it so much. So I went to the sugar-free version of that and realized that much coffee creamer in my coffee tastes like ass. So I would start just pouring a little bit. So that, that coffee made hazelnut creamer lasts me forever nowadays. And since we've been doing this, I have a bottle of coffee mate in there, and I've looked at it recently, and I'm like, man, my goal to not drink the sugary version is health. And then I look at the ingredients of what's in this fucking artificially flavored, chemically enhanced thing. I'm like, so I'm just going to get rid of that. 
I'm going to go to just straight like creamer or half and half and just because I do love coffee with a splash of half and half. I'm just over the flavor part of it. I cannot wait for that cup of coffee. I have a bottle of wine that's aged in a a uh, a uh, bourbon barrel, which bourbon and, and whiskeys are commonly aged in a wine barrel. So it's it's backwards, and it's a fucking phenomenally great wine. I look forward to sharing that bottle of wine with Valerie. Dude, I have had a crazy craving for Hopadillo beer, oh, and I think and you that don't drink, and at I all. don't drink. No, and I think it's only because like I've been I've been so hot and sweaty this whole month of like I feel like I can't escape the smell of sweat. And sometimes it's my hat, sometimes it's my headphones, <laughs> and sometimes it's just like I feel like it's just all over, like it's just become me. Mm-hmm. But uh, you see how fucking drenched I am in, oh, in, the, yeah. in the morning. You're soaked. But um, just because I've been so hot and so parched, like, and I know that I'm not allowed to have it right now, I'll see someone walk by with one of those hopadillos in their hand, and man, I can taste it. It, Which is so weird. So I'm not a wine drinker, yeah. and it's that's it's. I think it's the absence of having it, They're not allowed to. Yeah, yeah. You always, you know, kind of that grass is always greener. You're always going to want what you can't have. Yeah, yeah. The forbidden fruit it must be tasted. Oh, dude. So uh, I, I look forward to that. Man. Ten more days, though, man. Sixty six point six seven percent through. Yeah, and I'm not really worried about food like we're going to disney world my family's doing a big disney vacation and i've actually already put my thought process through and the first morning i wake up in disney i'm probably not going to ride a bike why because i'm going to wake up at like 3 30 in the morning on a thursday morning to get to disney world and spend the entire day in the park and do everything i'm gonna wake up friday and we're gonna we, we got tickets to disney world after hours to like midnight so that friday morning i'm probably gonna take a break i'm not promising myself i am gonna try to take my ride but my goal is to ride only 10 miles every day in Disney World because I'm going to be walking the park all fucking day long. We go on a cruise after that. My goal is to ride every day on the cruise 45 minutes. I, I've just gotten to the point where, man, I'm more looking forward to the continued workout than I'm looking forward to anything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, the cup of coffee accepted. See, I mean, coffee to me, it's <laughs> oh. like coffee's a little bit of a of a gray area oh. because it's like I'm I'm avoiding it right now because it was your idea to to give it up for for September. And when you first brought it up, I honestly didn't think that I could do it. When you were like, "Yeah, let's not let's not do caffeine." Cuz I try I went I did go a week without coffee a couple of months ago. I guess this was February actually. Okay. And uh I went a week without it and was a monster every morning like as far as my ability to be social my ability to just get myself started and when you said a month without it it was like ah shit like man i don't know if i can and so i think that like that's a really good cue of like a challenge to take on is if your first thought about it is man i don't know if i can do that it's like okay cool then that's a challenge if your first thought about a thing of like if i asked uh (laughs) like um Let's see, who's someone who's, uh, Josh Sherrard is a perfect example. If I asked him to, to run two miles a day, he'd be like, yeah, that's not a big deal. I can do that, no problem. He, he would do it wearing the goddamn Murph vest and feel nothing. I, he, he's, he's one of my only other friends who I, I've, like, who I know has done that, that workout a few times. And so I like to talk to him about it because he can appreciate the struggle because he can put it into context. He's had to make himself do that. And, uh, 
I talked to him about maybe breaking it up, doing a mile run, half the circuit, and then another mile run, the other half the circuit, and finishing with a third mile. To, to This was when I was thinking that I wouldn't be able to do it with the vest every every day, when I was thinking there would be variations of how I did this workout. And he's like, man, if you ask me to do it that way, I'm going to view that run as a rest. <laughs> it's like, dude, my heart rate spikes during the run. I wear my Fitbit now, yeah, and it's like my heart rate hit 200 beats per minute yesterday Jesus. and uh usually usually like it peaks at like 175 180 yeah i've hit 180 and that's it yeah i i get real uncomfortable i feel i feel not good when it gets above i don't know above above 175 uh 33 okay the uh your max heart rate according to american heart association 20 minus your age yeah so they do Uh, yeah so yours should be like 188 or something like that mine's 175 according to my age um and dude 145 i i told you i can't breathe like i can breathe i'm not but it's 145 no 175 175 okay i just did my age 170 (laughs) (laughs) man you look really good for 145 my friend it's the asian bride it's the asian bride there you go um no it's uh 145 dude i'm breathing i can't speak well i mean like i'm definitely okay breathing not i can't breathe but it's there's times on the bike where my focus is you, you're supposed to lift the pedals, right? Not just push on the yeah, pedals. like the the sweeping the floor motion with yeah, the pedal, yeah. yeah. And so my the pedals on this bike, one side is clip-ins, the other side is straps, and I don't have bike shoes, so I just use the straps, and I can actually hear my feet smacking around. The straps are very snug, so it's very it's very light, and that's actually my motivation. That's what keeps me moving is tapping, like just tracking that tap. And when I'm breathing that heavy, it's the only thing I can do to not fall over off that fucking bike. I need a seatbelt on that fucking hmm. thing, man. It's it's crazy. Have you thought about getting some, uh, they call them clipless shoes. With They're the ones that have the clip that you clip in. I don't know why they call those clipless. But the like some, some proper cycling shoes that clip into the pedals. Have you thought about that? No, I haven't. Um, just because. Did, do, the, do they have pedals that come with the bike that have that? Yeah, yeah. One side of the pedals clip, the other side okay. is strap. So I, I can do either. <clears throat> and I really haven't thought about that. And, and knowing that this is a goal of mine to continue doing for the rest of my life. This I, I bought this bike not for this challenge. I bought this bike for my lifestyle. Have you ridden with cycling shoes before? No. Man, it makes a big difference because the rigidity of the shoe, um, the, the bottom platform of the shoe is, is a lot more solid so you're not losing p- power in the flex in of the stroke. shoe and the the noise that you hear of your foot coming up and down every time your foot moves that's power that's not making it to the pedal yeah, right yeah. so uh you might feel better look into have, it. having some, some no, real shoes especially with it's it's a goal and i think i should the one thing that's hard is it's a fixed gear bike and it's it's i forget how many pounds but it's a significantly heavy flywheel and I didn't remember that one day, and I was going to stand up on the pedals, let the wheel free spin while I made an adjustment in my britches or whatever it was. And bucked I, you right off on dude, it. Dude, I did not get bucked off, but one, that's one of what hurt my knees. So my right knee has been in pain almost the entire time because I did that like in the third day, and my right knee is still not recovered from that, that aggravation because I, I all but threw me off that fucking bike, and it hurt like a motherfucker. Um, I'll be okay, man. It's my left knee. I'll be okay. My left knee is just the one that's bad in general, so it, it's a struggle, man. I look forward to all these things, man. I do look forward to reward days. Um, I do look forward to like I went to uh the speakeasy this month with a buddy of ours, Kyle Schoonover and um uh, Laura Laura Schoonover, 
And we were at the speakeasy where we have a drink, we have fat appetizers, we eat super good meals, we have fucking gorgeous desserts. You've been there with me. You know what we do. Ah, I knew you were going to do that. Shit, I, I meant to kill the computer audio, not mine. Yeah. And um, I ate completely healthy that night. The, the, the manager of the speakeasy thought I was crazy. He, he got it. He was cool. Everybody's like, oh, my God. And I'm like, I promise you I will be back at the beginning of October and make up the difference for this, guys, for you. So I look forward to reward days for sure, man. Um, man, we're going to I wanted to talk a little bit about nationals. I'm just going to throw a couple things out there because we're out of time. Nationals, guys, gals, Omniscore.com. O-M-N-I-S-K-O-R-E. Omniscore.com. You can go check out Nationals. Go check out the link for the current Nationals and go to like the four-way open. And that's just an example. On four-way open on the first round for SDC Rhythm XP, you'll see the number 45. They turn 45 points. It's a clickable link. Click on that link and you can see their 45 fucking point round, dude. It was a cranker. It was a fast draw for sure. Go check out uh, Polaris. Polaris is our buddy Matthew Fry. He uh, teamed up with Katie Hansen, three-way free fly artistic. Man, go check out. Click on their scores to see their or their rounds, man. Some very beautiful, some really good free fly rounds that incorporate some angle with it, and that was super cool. But, um, man, the, the four-way open went to a fucking tiebreaker round. At the end of 10 rounds, Arizona Airspeed and uh, Rhythm XP were tied for first place, and they had to go to a fucking tiebreaker. It was such a tight, tight race. Yeah, that's not, not a common thing, but that shit's exciting. Dude, I love it. It was such an intense battle, man. So I, I wanted to talk a little bit about Nationals, and, and unfortunately, we're running out of time. I want to throw a huge shout-out to a few friends. Get Swifty. They're a Dallas-based team. They finished top 10, man. They've really come up over their time. They're really great people, good friends of ours. At some point, I actually do plan on having Michael Erickson and or his buddy Zach Bro on the show. Uh, just really good guys, a lot of fun. Uh, Got to give a lot of love to a lot of our different Spaceland friends. Um, a lot of them did really well. Dallas Disturbance actually took uh, silver in 16-way. Uh, Erica, uh, Clint and Erica and, and uh, Amber were on a uh, eight-way team that took gold. So a, a lot of our Spacelanders did really, really well. So shout out to all my friends and family out there at Nationals. And I'm glad you guys had such a great competition. Spaceland Toxic Demos team, uh, fourth place, barely missed the podium. They battled back and forth for third. It was a great battle for, for, for third for them. So guys, gals, check out Nationals. Check out Omniscore. Click on those links and see what these people are doing. Some really, really great, great uh, skydiving out there. Mr. P is uh, showing you it on the screen. There it is. Uh, there's, a, there's a link in the comments, too. But There's a uh, link in the comments. It's all super, super easy to navigate. You just click on, on, the, on the left, the discipline you want to look look at. It's going to pull up the teams, and you can click on any round to, to see the video of that round. Yeah, so really cool, man. Um, it, it's been a lot of fun to watch. It's been a lot of good stuff. Uh, 10-Way tomorrow. 10-Way, if you've never watched 10-Way Star, it's super cool. The 10-way speed star isn't always as exciting, although I think it is myself. But at the end of the 10-way speed star, you're done. There's no other points. So a lot of teams will actually throw together a bonus point. Like the Golden Knights have done, one of my favorite ones they've done, is they've actually, after the point, lined themselves up like bowling pins. And then one guy came tracking through the bowling pins and exploded the bowling pins all over the place. They've actually lined themselves up as a baseball bat, and one guy threw the other guy at the batter, and the baseball bat was another, were two jumpers in a line who swung and hit the ball or the other jumper. So they, they do a lot of, it's the judge's award for 10-way. So 
Uh, oh, dude, fucking Chicago Core. This is uh, round three, right? What was this, like 35 points? It was the highest scoring round, I think. I think it was 35 points, if I remember right, Let's man. Let's see, this says 26. 26. And, man, I don't remember. Oh, no, that <laughs> shit. They scored 38, 38 on yeah. round nine. Let's watch A that. 38-pointer, dude. Super fast draw. There's no doubt, like, you know, uh, the draw was fast, but there is no denying the talent of SDC core, man. Super fucking phenomenal flyers. Um, actually, one of our earliest uh, LB Live interviews was with Jason Russell and um, Stephanie Strange from SDC core. Mm-hmm. You so, know, the Dusty Hanks is another member of their team? Yes. Dusty took me on my very first tandem. Man, it was so cool to be friends with some of the badasses. Yeah, he's he's badass for sure, man. I like him a whole lot. Oh, quick reminder, next Tuesday night, next Tuesday at 1 p.m., uh, we actually have a show. LB Live. LB show? Yep, 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 with Alethea, which I now always just say Alicia with a lisp. Alethea. <laughs> So, guys, guys, check out uh, Nationals. Check out what these guys are flying. Look at the way they're fucking cranking these points, man. One block, random, random, random. Back to that same block at the top, man. It is a great yeah, draw. A three. Oh, shit. Three A, something that they're going too fast. There's the three. There's the A. And that's too fast. I can't tell what that Dude, is. Dude, I, so I, what I recommend with these fast draws that you see from Rhythm, with these fast draws you see from Core, go watch it first by a low-level team. Go watch a team that scores <laughs> not not low numbers, because low numbers you're not going to get to understand it. The mid-scores. Go watch the mid-score teams before you watch the fast round, because then you can see what they're doing. Because when you watch that rhythm one that they cranked out those uh, 45 points, I couldn't grasp what some of the points were until I watched it in a mid-tier team. Oh, they do have the draw up here on, uh, if on you hit the score also. If you hit the round you total. the round, yeah. So yeah. if... Uh, 21-3-A, that was that draw. Yeah. So, man, Nick, let's wrap the show up. Let's get to bed early. What you got, let's man? Let's do it. Uh, come to the film festival, make a video. Man, that list of prizes is pretty awesome. And uh, if you didn't know about Sacrifice September until just now, there are 10 more days. So uh, I don't think you got to wait till a Monday. You don't got to wait till the first of the month. If you want to start doing something tough for the sake of doing something tough, I say go for it. And it doesn't have to be September. Make the month yours. It doesn't matter what month it is. It doesn't matter when you do it. No, next month we're going to hit Sacrifice September again. And I'll tell you, this month my goals seemed astronomical. So much to the point that Nick told me before the month started, DJ, if you're going to do all those things in one month at the beginning of month, it's going to be hard for you. You're not going to be able to do it. I'm like, I know, bro. I started early. Here two-thirds of the way through, next year I've got to set harder goals. What I thought was going to be impossible... I now know I need to raise the bar, and it feels so rewarding and so good. Please join us next year for Sacrifice September. And if, if you planned on doing September with us, Sacrifice September, and you didn't, you're a piece of shit. If you gave no, up I'm on just us, kidding. I'm just boo. kidding. I mean, but uh, but for real, like, if you tried and you quit, just keep, just start again. Just start again. It's not that big of a deal. Everyone makes mistakes from time to time, but. Uh, just, just find a reason. Find a reason to do it. Man, you're the best reason to do it. Do it for you. Better yourself. Make yourself a better person. Challenge yourself. Stop saying you're going to do it and do it. Nick's heard me say I'm going to do it before. Guys and gals, next week we are out. We have a good friend's wedding we're going to be at. The following week we'll be back. We have Norman Kick coming up on October 6th. We have a lot of other great things. Matthew Peterson will be coming back soon. We will be announcing our new co-host soon. That person, I will give you a hint if I haven't, she will be with us shortly. Shortly. There are plenty of hints there. Guys and gals, Grab Lab Radio, Blue Skies, get the 
fuck out of my house, Nick. 